You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Monday. Coming to you live from our studios here on South College Street, my name is J.J. Jackson. On the program with me today, I've got Tom Peavy, Cam Berry, and Brooks Childress will join us a little bit later in the hour. A lot to discuss on this Monday as we'll be taking your phone calls all show long. Talking Auburn football, of course. Chatting with Jason Caldwell from inside the Auburn Tigers at 4.30 on the program today. We've got birthdays and sports. We've got a nightly TV guide. We've got best and worst of the weekend. And again, your phone calls all show long. 334-887-3401 as Auburn football falls to LSU on Saturday 21-17. The Tigers now 3-2 and two on the year and get prepared for their first road game of the season. The D-South's oldest rivalry coming up on Saturday against Georgia. We'll talk about the NFL action from this past weekend. We were at Talladega yesterday, the NASCAR top event with Chase Elliott securing a victory yesterday in Dega. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the program. A remarkable weekend for the Atlanta Braves as they have claimed first place in the National League Eastern Division in any combination of a Braves win or Mets loss over the next three days gives the Braves their fifth consecutive National League Eastern Division title. So a lot to get into over the next three hours. Right now, J.J., Tom, and Cam here on the program today. Cam Barry, I ask you, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. <laughs> I need a microphone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Great weekend of sports mostly. Went to the uh, Auburn LSU game. Was a great atmosphere. I feel like the crowd did a really, really good job. Um, striped the stadium out really well. I have a really cool picture that shows, you know, you can see the stripes nice and clear and everything was really dope. Uh, just wish Auburn could have gotten the win. Uh, just the second half woes, man. It's just continuing to be a struggle. Uh, Braves got the sweep against the Mets big time. Uh, 100 wins, too. So, you know, that's something I've never seen in my life. So that's something that's uh, really, really crazy. Um, and just now got to get that magic number of one and they'll uh, be hosting the NL, uh, excuse me, NLC. DS, a division DS, series. Yes, yeah. excuse me. Um, and so that'll be that'll be a really cool, really big time. And then my Falcons got the got the win at 500, uh, beat the Cleveland Browns 22, 23 to 20. And um Unfortunate that Cordell Patterson, it was just announced today, he's going to the IR. But, yeah, uh, uh, still a great weekend. Was able to manage and, and pull out the, the win. And uh, next week we play Tampa Bay in Tampa. So that's going to be interesting. But, yeah, doing great. Tom, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the weekend for Auburn, 
like Cam said, uh, second half. Uh, I mean, you get up 17 to nothing and you can't finish it off. I don't know what it is about the second half woes under these Brian Harson teams, but I mean, it it is a uh, well, one thing I've talked about on here before uh, on the show or about certain patterns and, and how you don't freak out over one or two, but once you start seeing a pattern develop, then that's where you have to worry. And right now that pattern of, of just not being able to get it done in the second half it is right there and it's out in the open. And I mean, the stats don't lie. You can go through and look at stats from last year and to this year and how many points Auburn has scored against power five teams in the second half. And if you haven't seen the stats, it's not very many. No. Uh, in fact, they have not scored a single point in the second half in their last two games now. And so no touchdowns in the last eight. Yeah. So not a good recipe for Auburn. And, uh, of course, you know, all the talk is out there uh, as as it has been on a, you know, with Brian Harson on not if he gets let go, but when he gets let go. And then, of course, all the talk about, well, if you do let him go, who's the next guy in line going to be? So a lot of talk about, about that. Uh, the Braves, man, what a series. Goodness gracious. And you, and you didn't you didn't just – as the Braves, you didn't just win three games. You won it against their three top pitchers. And, I mean, you you got, you got you mainly got DeGrom and Scherzer. That was so impressive. Yeah, you, you would have thought that if, you know, if you're going to lose a game, it's going to probably be one, one of those two. to right. either DeGrom or Scherzer because those guys are just so dominant that it's hard to get a win on them. But the Braves were able to get the home runs going. Dansby Swanson had a home run in each of the three games. Uh, Matt Olson had a home run in each of the three games. Just an incredible series. So that was fun. Uh, NFL wise, a lot of fun games going on. Yeah, the Falcons got to win. Some other great games around through the league. So yeah, good weekend of sports all around. Really good weekend. Unless you're an Auburn fan. And again, uh, we'll talk with Brooks Childress a little bit later. Tiger Communications was represented at Talladega yesterday, uh, which was a whole lot of fun to experience. So we'll talk about that now, a little bit later my past? in the hour. Three three four eight eight seven thirty four zero one or toll free at one triple eight nine Tiger nine. Brooks Childress currently uh, picking up paychecks for everybody in our company. So uh, we excuse his absence. At this hour, a lot of people enjoy what being paid. What a nice guy. And, uh, yeah, indeed. What a nice guy Mr. Childress is. So, I, I uh, guess thanks if, for that. I guess if y'all give me a paycheck, it'll be okay that I didn't <laughs> get to go to Talladega. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> That's a good trade right there. 334-887-3401. So, uh, we mentioned the loss to LSU. We mentioned the second-half struggles. Auburn football did have a lot of positive things there early. The stadium was in utter shock when Robbie Ashford found Camden Brown in the back of the end zone for an 18-yard score. And all of a sudden, the Tigers were winning 14-0 over LSU. The stadium was raucous. And wow, what is this football team going to do to LSU? And then things kind of slowed down for that team. The other concerning issue brought up today in Coach Harson's press conference that we were just at is not the second-half struggles, because we have talked about that a lot this season, gentlemen. But in every game this season, in all five games so far this season, Tom, you want to talk about patterns, here's oh, not a good one either. In every game this season, Auburn football has given up a touchdown in the final two minutes of the first half. And even more concerning, four of those five games, the opposition has scored a touchdown in the last 60 seconds. Yep. In every game this season, defensively, to set up for the second half, the Auburn, the opposition has scored a touchdown again in the last two minutes and four of those five games. It's been the last 60 seconds. That is an awful way 
to set the tone going into the locker room yeah. there at halftime. And, and and this one against LSU was not the defense giving it up. It was yeah, LSU's awesome. defense creating one with the strip sack and, and scoop and score. Uh, but, you know, listening to the broadcast, uh, I was listening to uh, Andy Bertram and, and the broadcast at the moment that that happened. And the one thing that they talked about then on the broadcast was put it behind you. It happened. It was a, it was a crazy play. LSU just made a play on the ball, yeah, but you got play. it. Their best put, defensive player sure. made a play. But good play. Let me correct. That was with six and a half minutes to go. Was that strip sack that resulted in the touchdown? Auburn called a couple of timeouts right. defensively late in the half, trying to get the football back. Then there was a face mask call well, on third right. and one yep. that resulted in LSU holding on to possession despite Auburn getting the stop. And this touchdown in the final two minutes That's right. was with 15 seconds left when Jaden Daniels, their quarterback, ran it in. That's right. So the strip sack was a big that. play, but that was with six and a half minutes right. left to go. And Auburn touched the football twice after that, still in the second yeah. quarter. I, 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 For some reason, I had it in my head that was later. But that play is what, because at that time, Auburn's already Auburn's up 17 to nothing yeah. at this moment. And it feels like, you, feels like you got all the momentum. Andy Bertram and those guys were talking about that play there, and they say, "Listen, you just have to put that one in your back pocket and don't let it hurt you. Don't don't let that change the momentum of where this game was." Well, unfortunately, it did. And uh, and as you mentioned, you know, LSU then comes down, they score another touchdown, and suddenly you're going into halftime in a nail biter where you had dominated the entire half, right? And now all of a sudden you're in a nail biter at halftime. And then, and then knowing the pattern of how bad Auburn is in the second half of games, it, it really doesn't make you feel very good to your stomach. Seeing that now we're in a we're in a dogfight here, and for whatever reason, this team can't score in the second half. Uh, everybody wants to know why, and I and I think there's a mixture of things. I, I definitely think that there's a problem with halftime adjustments or a lack of halftime adjustments. But then the also the other thing I have to look at is strength and conditioning. If if you struggle throughout the game and especially in the fourth quarter, then you have to at some point look at your strength and conditioning. There's got to be a reason that that things are not happening. That you, you don't have your legs under you. If you're tired, there has to be something looked at with strength and conditioning, along with play calls and just non-execution and things like that. Because uh, it, it's not just one thing that's causing Auburn's second half woes, but Whatever it is, it's got to be figured out because, I mean, it, it's it's paltry. Yeah. Paltry is, is, I think, a kind word to say about how Auburn plays in the second half. And that's not just this year. That even goes back to last year as well. Auburn is now 3-2 and two on the season. They prepare for their first road game. Five games in the year. Auburn has yet to play a game away from Jordan here. They will do that on Saturday against the reigning national champion Georgia Bulldogs, who dropped to number two in the AP poll, Alabama reclaims that top spot. Let's take a quick timeout. Sports Call continues in a moment. Do you want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Follow SportsCall on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Like us on Facebook at SportsCallAU. 
Back on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, it's Tiger 95.9 FM, our show is Sports Call Auburn. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Sports Call AU, if you would like to interact with us that way. Of course, your thoughts are welcome on the Auburn Bank phone line. All of our Sports Call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. Visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, equal housing lender, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at one 9 tiger 9 Over 330 yards passing for Robbie Ashford in the game on Saturday against LSU. But again, the turnover battle does not go in Auburn's favor. The Tigers turned the football over four different times, and uh, LSU only had the one turnover, a fumble recovery by the Tigers in the fourth quarter. And uh, several of Auburn's turnovers came at ill-opportune times, three of them coming in the fourth quarter. We had the one sack that resulted in the touchdown in the second quarter. Then Keontae Scott, uh, look, who's as, as confident as anybody, goes on the war rapport, Says he's the most talented wide receiver at LSU a season ago, despite having Kayshawn Butte, a likely first-round selection. And then Coy Moore uh, didn't have a good game. He throws the interception on the really bad play call and then just had an interception bullied away from him. That that is one of those plays that should not go down as an interception against Robbie Ashford. Unfortunately, it does, but Coy Moore just had that ball ripped away from him late in that football game. So uh, he talked the talk. And uh, unfortunately, not enough backing up the talk yeah. that was there. And his former teammates, the LSU Tigers, walk away with a win. Yeah, it, it was uh, unfortunate to say the least. I I will say, however, I feel like Rob, Robbie did have a pretty good game outside of the fumble uh, or outside of the the strip sack. Uh, you know, just a couple of of you know misses miscues here and there. But overall, like throwing the ball, I thought he did pretty well. And you know, a lot of people were kind of critical of that. Um, you know, we've we've never really seen him how he can kind of throw the ball here and there, and you know, 50% of his passes, you know, completed, but 337 yards. I thought that's pretty good, um, and yeah, just it's just it was just rough towards the end. I just it kind of felt like I it kind of felt like who wanted to win this game the least almost because oh. it was just the the turnovers. It was just multi like back and forth almost, and and we just couldn't get the job done. Uh, the the one thing with Robbie Ashford is that we we've talked about the the dynamic that he brings with his running ability, and that's what you saw. That's what opened up the passing yeah, he was for seeing, Robbie. Is well, well, I mean, you know, he would stretch out to the right. He he would get out of the pocket, maybe sometimes a little bit too soon, sometimes about at the right time. But either way, you, you'd find himself sliding out of the pocket. And because of his ability to run and teams knowing his ability to run, those safeties would start coming up. Well, then that would free up a guy back behind the safeties. Robbie would be able to see it. And now he's out there away from the offensive line, and he can see. Because obviously Robbie's a short guy. He's not a big, tall dude that can see over the line. He's a little bit shorter. Right. And so he gets out there. uh, The safeties come up, and they have to commit because they think he's going to run. They leave the guy open back behind him, and Robbie fires it out there. And that was working great. Um, you know, Auburn kind of got away from that a little bit, but also LSU wised up to it. But yeah. that's part of making adjustments is you get those safeties and you're like, look, if he comes out here on the right side, you can't leave your assignment. You've got to you got to stay back. you got to stay with a guy. Yeah. 
they made that happen, kind of took that away. But that's where you Auburn was able to take advantage of, of LSU's aggressiveness. So uh, it was great to see. Uh, there were times that he stayed in the pocket, looked good. Uh, I think there were some times that he got out of the pocket a little bit quicker than he needed to, but he, he looked fine. Um, I don't think – he was not the problem no, in that I game. I think he was good enough to roll with sure. just to continue rolling with, honestly. Sure. Um, he was not the problem. Obviously, the offensive line still not getting very much push at all. That's a yeah. major issue. Yeah. With the offensive line. Can't they, establish they, the run. Right. Can't establish the run. They're just not getting any kind of push. Uh, you know, defensive-wise, defense played a heck of a game, I thought. They had the one just mind-numbing mistake by Owen Papo that led to that huge play. And, and then, then you had a touchdown where Steiner hits the guy in the backfield and just yeah. t- can't wrap him up. And then yep. he goes for, you know, an incredible touchdown run. And Steiner had him in the backfield. So if if Steiner gets him on the ground, you're kind of taking at least that play away for a touchdown, and then Owen Papo leaves the guy running free back behind him. You know, so a couple of mistakes here, but Auburn would have a turnover, but then Auburn was able to force one immediately to give Auburn another chance, and then the pick that you mentioned where he just gets it bullet away from him. Uh, you know, the team overall did a lot of things right and a lot of things that – could have won them that game, but but ultimately just the lack of production in the second half, whether that be execution, whether it be coaching, uh, whether that be strength and conditioning, the combo of all of it. Auburn should have won the football game. You tell anybody yeah, that 100%. LSU is going to have five passing yards in yeah. the second half. LSU is going to have five passing yeah, they, yards in the they, second half. You would assume – that Auburn won the football game. LSU quarterbacks went 10 of 26 yeah, they really for 85 yards. Terrible. 10 of 26 for 85 yards from the LSU quarterbacks, and they walk away with a victory. 334-887-3401. First caller due up today on the Auburn Bank phone line. Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve now joins us. Hi, Steve. War Eagle. War Eagle, Steve. All right, what's my time limit? You got some time here, yeah. Okay. Get on your soapbox. <laughs> First, I want to thank uh, thank you, uh, JJ, for letting me go, uh, go see uh, some of the gang again Friday with my yeah. daughter. So I-, I proved to you guys, those who were there, Cam and Ryan LaVoy, who's not there today, that I actually do have a daughter. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't make it up, right, guys? Yeah, yeah, for sure. She was very nice. Yeah, okay. So with that, guys, you know, we went to the game. And in the fourth quarter, uh, I looked over to the uh, sidelines, and I thought I saw Bill Murray. Yeah. And I felt like, wow, here we go. It must be Groundhog Day again. (laughs) Yes. Unfortunately, it did kind of feel that way. No, it really was Groundhog Day. And and Tommy, you just mentioned it, but I'll I'll let you know how really – uh, bad the Groundhog Day uh, scenario really is in reality. And stats don't lie, right? Uh, stats don't, don't lie. Them. Yeah, we can't interpret these any, any differently. So here we are. The scoring, according to Jason Caldwell, who I know you'll have later, uh, going back to last season, starting with the Ole Miss game, three points. A&M game, zero. Mississippi State, six. South Carolina, three. Alabama, three. Penn State this year, six. Missouri, zero. LSU, zero. 
Now, some people may be asking myself, I ask, well, what, how, how do you explain this? Well, then I went to the uh, column entitled Pro Football Focuses uh, Grades and looked at snap counts. And that may explain some of it, guys. Derek Hall had 79, I believe, uh, snaps. Owen Papo, 78. Could maybe that have something to do with why our defense maybe just, you know, can't stop other teams from scoring as much? Now, granted, the, the defense played lights out. They did. I mean, if I had told you, you don't know who the teams are, but one of the teams was only allowed to score seven points in the second half, and that opponent's team's quarterback only scored 28%, only up. Uh, uh, the, the pass completion was 28 percent. Yeah, and they only had five Who passing yards in the second half, like we talked about. I, like I said just a second ago, you would have thought that team would have been able to win the game, but that just was not the case for Auburn on Saturday. I do think snap counts are something important to follow moving forward with Eke Liotta now being lost for the year for this Auburn football team. Coach Harson did speak today about a lot of those younger guys needing to step up. Dylan Brooks. Uh, being one of them, Marcus Bragg, got some play time on Saturday. So hopefully some of those younger D-linemen and defensive players can uh, add a level of impact for the Auburn defensive unit. And there were just uh, certain plays, guys, if they had gone differently. Uh, in fact, I thought we should have just, you know, dog-whipped dog uh, or windshield beating on LSU. It was coming. And then when we should have made a touchdown, Remember at the five-yard line, we were there because it was on our side of the end zone, and it ends up being a field goal. I said, this doesn't look good. And then with Carlson, who's supposed to be this reliable, misses a 40-yard field goal, which would have made it, what, 20 to nothing. Yeah. And even if they had scored like they did, it would have been 20 to 14 to half. Well, considering the second half you know, fiascos, all we needed at that point would be to get in the field goal it, range. Yeah. Field goal. Everything, compounded to, everything compounded together is tough, and uh, it's clear Anders Carlson has not been the same kicker uh, since his ACL injury. It's also clear that Anders Carlson is just not his brother, and that's okay. But he's still the second yeah. greatest kicker in the history of Auburn football when Literally. you look at the numbers. And so it's it's tough to see him have some down games from time to time, but the, that is one of the least guys of my worries and least guys that I want to throw out and criticize. Right, well, I'm just thinking at certain little things, you know, because there's usually just maybe two to three uh, scenarios that go on in a football game that maybe determine the outcome, and that was probably maybe one of them. Uh, and then at the five-yard line, the coaching. What are you doing with trick plays? You know, you got – what four downs to make five yards? Right. You just you can't pound it. Give it uh, to uh, Jaquez Hunter, uh, Tank Bigsby. Uh, just just go in there, maybe uh, or RPO with uh, Ashford, and you can't you can't do that. You try a trick play. Well, uh, so my my thing is this: it's not so much that it was the trick play called because I I liked Brian Harson's answer when they asked him about this. Is at a certain point you've got to try to do some different things, and that yeah. was something different. Creative. I, I, I <coughs> excuse me, yeah, it was creative. I actually don't mind the play call. I, yeah, I, me personally, probably would not have done that. Here's my problem: if you're going to run a play like that, you have to know whoever has that ball in his hands has to know to throw the damn ball away. If it's not there, then throw the ball away. Eat it. 
just, hey, listen, we ran a trick play. It didn't work. Let's eat it, throw the ball away, do whatever. You just can't throw the ball up for grabs to yeah. just anybody. You can't do that. So that's bad planning. If you're Like I said, if you're going to run that play call, Coy Moore's got to know to do something else with the ball other than what he did. He, he can't panic and just throw it to the other team. I mean, throw sell that thing up into LSU's marching band for all I care, but don't throw uh, it to just anybody. Well, yeah. You're correct. And what gets me is there were like two or three LSU players around that area, and we were screaming, don't do it, don't do it, and he did it. Yeah, and that's just poor execution. It, it was poorly blocked. It, it was poorly blocked. LSU ate it up. They didn't get fooled by it. But then Coy Moore panicked and didn't throw the ball away. And so, to me, that's bad planning on the coach's part. Again, I don't mind the play call. You're getting creative. You're trying to do something different and catch them off guard. I don't mind it. But you have to be able to execute that properly. And when it falls apart, you got to know what to do with the ball. And what he did was not what you're supposed to do with the ball. And then coaching calls. What are you doing? Because I wouldn't have done it. I haven't coached my life. I would have done this one. Fourth down and 11 at LSU's 36-yard line. You remember that one, right? Yep. Absolutely. Your options are what? Punt it with a, an excellent punter who might put him down maybe the 10, 5-yard line, or go for the field goal. Right, try 53-yarder. Yep. But you call timeout, and you go for a – Debatable 50-50 yeah. uh, play. It worked the second uh, time for him, but uh, the first time, I mean, both times it's a questionable decision, but we mentioned the lag of Anders Carlson right now, just clearly not where it's at. Given how well the defense was playing, Steve, I think the better call would have been to try and pin them deep with Oscar Chapman, your punter there. Right, because they maybe had a minute and a half, and they probably wouldn't have gone down there quickly enough to score a touchdown, but uh, we gave them that. All right, moving on, guys. Uh, let me ask you this question. Will we win any more games? Uh, <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I, I think we'll win a couple more. You do? I, Steve, Steve, they, they can sit there and say that. I don't see a win on the schedule. I'm, I'm just going to be honest. And Western Kentucky, I think, is a, is a possible win just because it, it is Western Kentucky. But that's an offense that's putting up crazy points right they now. They scored 73 points. They did. Sure. They, they're putting up crazy points, and Auburn has shown that, you know, you're going to have to – Auburn's going to have to score more than 21 to win that. Auburn's but, still going to be more talented than Western Kentucky. Sure. The yeah. question at that point of the year, it's your second-to-last game of the year, and the reason I would be more so worried as opposed to – not even the the coat, but do the players care? Are you yeah. going to be able right. to truly say I care about this game against Western Kentucky? No. Can you get motivated enough to go out there and have some pride on the line and realize we yeah. are the more talented team? But, but no it, matter what way you look at sure. it, Auburn is more talented than Western and, Kentucky. And the thing is, that's the only game on the rest of Auburn's schedule that Auburn will be favored in. So if they were to win any other games, it's going to be upset, and a couple of them would be massive earth-shattering upsets, like beating Georgia or beating Alabama. Uh, but, I mean, Texas A&M, Arkansas, the we'll two see Mississippi how, schools, they're going to be favored over Auburn in those games. We'll see I have how to imagine. A&M continues to go. A&M had a bad they're, week. Yeah. They're falling off in the wrong direction, sure. already having lost to Appalachian State. And the fact that Auburn plays that game at home, Las Vegas does yeah. favor yeah. the home team. Do I think Auburn wins that game, Tom? No. But who, are, are they going to be favored against it? That's still a possibility out there for still me. Still probably not. 
All right, well, J.J. and Russell guys, this is the reason I asked that question. You were leaning in my direction. Here's my answer. We will only win additional games if this happens or doesn't happen. If Harson has gone ahead and terminated and let go, okay, by no later than after the Ole Miss game when we have a break, then I think that will remove the cloud. Because there's a cloud right now over the players, I'm sure, because they don't know what's going to happen or not. Uh, and the fans, and letting Carson and the rest of the, the, the coaching staff go will, I think, quickly then let go of that cloud, and I think it will motivate the players, okay, now we know what we're playing for and who we're playing for. That, that, that's my take, and to be more motivated. If this drags on, I think we'll have a, I think a definite negative impact on the players uh, themselves because they played their hearts out. Uh, and, and we did. were at Tiger Walk, guys. We were Tiger Walk, and I was really concerned because my daughter and I saw a little enthusiasm as we were coming by. We were high-fiving them, and we were and we would have to stick out our hands. They weren't doing it. They are just walking down as if you know, they were almost robot-like. I uh, just wanted to let you um, know the observations of that. Yeah, I was, okay. at, I was at Tiger Walk, too. Um, did you see that, Cam? Steve, Yeah. Some of some some were some weren't. It was it was kind of hit or miss. Some were kind of zoned in, just kind of getting ready for the game. It kind of seemed like, but but I I I could un, I could understand where where you're coming from and, and what you're saying. You see, you saw. I mean, they should have been really enthusiastic, jumping up and down, so because you're playing LSU. Right, big game. That's how big game. Uh, that's, that's how I saw that. We have the uh, we have Terry on the line. We want to get to him, Steve. So give us your final thoughts. Okay, all right. I'll let you know how good Robbie Ashford can become. Mr. Stat Tiger found these numbers for impact play ratios. And actually, Robbie Ashford at this time in his career, compared to Cam Newton, Nick Marshall, Damian Craig, and Bo Nix, is actually better than Cam Newton was and Nick Marshall. His impact to play ratios is 6.14. Nick Marshall's was 6.0, and Cam Newton's 5.62. Interesting. Interesting. Okay? Yeah. And now, uh, and I'll leave you with this hilarious quote. Do you remember Brent Venables? Yeah. Tough day for Oklahoma. He, when he was, yeah, well, uh, you probably could run, uh, TCU was running, uh, somebody said, uh, similar checks through uh, <laughs> Oklahoma's uh, uh, defense. But this, this was reminded me by Zach Barnett. And he said, remember when uh, Brent Venables said he'd pass on the Auburn job because he really wanted the Oklahoma job? Yeah. Yeah. How's that working out for him? Yeah. Tough one for them against uh, TCU, that's for sure. Tough one for them. against. And now, finally, the the dagger. I can't remember, guys. Maybe you can. When was the last time that Auburn was an underdog to anybody by 29.5 points? That's the current line now at, uh, on the Georgia game. Last time would have been uh, Gene Chizik's last game against Alabama. Was that when it was? Yeah. That's, what I, saw, that's what I saw anyway. Yeah. Uh, Auburn opened as a 27-and-a-half-point underdog, and the line has already moved to 29-and-a-half, so it's already moved two points in Georgia's favor, as you're saying, Steve. That's, that's to me, is uh, that's demoralizing yeah. as, as, as an Auburn fan. Got to let you go, buddy. That's what they think. All right, guys, thank you so much for the uh, therapy time. Uh, I'll, I'll go get over this eventually. I hope that our, our fans our players deserve, deserve better, and I hope that administration uh, gets it and says, okay, enough's enough. So with that said, guys, thank you again for your time. My time is way, way up. 
Uh, until next time, have a safe afternoon. The War Damn Eagle, no matter what else anybody else would say to you. War Eagle. That's our War pal Eagle. Steve joining us there on the phone line. 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 888 9 Terry from Auburn. Terry joins us here on the program. How's it going, Terry? Going great, guys. How y'all doing today? Very well. Doing Thank well, you so much for asking. Well. Okay, let me let me go and pose the question. Steve just asked y'all the question: Does Auburn win another game with Brian Harson as the head coach? Coach Harson, no. Okay, all right. Uh, well, did we find out? And I know I did. Did did, did T.J. Finley was Brian Harson's choice and the style of play he wanted to bring to Auburn? And is Robbie Ashford the best choice for Auburn? Uh, I I mean I. I, I think well, I'm so, I've, I've been sold by Robbie Ashford, yeah. and I hope that yeah. people were now I, in all, that same boat after what they saw on Saturday. I, but I, Which but you I, called I, it, Terry. Yeah, but I, I don't know how to answer that first part because, I mean, I'm not in there in the practices every day. I'm not in the meeting room. So I don't know I don't know whether T.J. Finley was Brian Harson's actual first choice or if he wanted Robbie and got pulled in different ways. I don't know because I'm not there. I honestly <laughs> believe that T.J. was Brian Harson's first choice and that he thought that TJ was the guy that could give them the best chance to win, but now TJ's been hurt, and Robbie Ashford really stepped up in that LSU game. Now, uh, Tom, Tom, I agree with you, but TJ Finley was his choice based on system, and that's my point. Well, sure, um, and and because that's the type of system that Brian Harson wants to run, right? Okay, it's not a whole lot of going to work down here. What's that? Because it worked in Boise, Idaho, don't mean it's going to work in Auburn, Alabama. Because your two biggest rivals out there are San Diego State and BYU, not not the defending national champion and a team who's in it every year. All right. Well, so here's the thing: the the system that Brian Harson runs is more of a pro style yeah. system, which has been working perfectly fine for Alabama and Georgia and some of these, where you mix in some so read options and some, and some different yeah. things like that. Now, what they had to do, and I and I have to applaud as much as I've been on this coaching staff's rear end about their terrible job. It felt like they adjusted the game plan to, the to, to Robbie yeah. and for what he could do. Yeah. You saw a lot more read option. You saw a read option and getting him to the outside, yes. which then boot freed legs. up. Yeah, yes. bootlegs out, which then freed up passes. Trying to get him out from the pocket so because he's the not a guy that can yeah. sit in the pocket. So yeah. I actually applaud them for the game plan on how they adjusted to what Robbie Ashford could do, and it was very successful for the most part. But can they make an adjustment in the second half, please? Yeah. Uh, that's now yeah, that's, that's the whole thing. Is what what kind of adjustments are if there are adjustments being made? Because it's like second half. This team, especially offensive wise, they they just can't score. And let me ask you guys this question: It's obvious that Anders Carlson is struggling, both physically and mentally. Why are they not giving McPherson a shot? This kid was a number one high school kicker in the entire country. You can still play four games and get a red shirt here, right? Why Absolutely, and maybe that'll be the case once yeah. they get closer to the end of the year. I still think it's uh, a matter of possibly wanting to see if Anders Carlson can kind of get back into a rhythm uh, with him playing as much, and I do think that red shirt is what they've got in mind. So, uh, JJ, I see what you're saying, but I disagree with it because at some point, you, you know Brian Harsh is probably not going to be the head coach. Go ahead and do it now. If you're going to try a 53-yard field goal, like Steve was saying, let McPherson try it. He's got more of a leg. If Carson can't hit a 40-yarder, what makes you think he hit a 53? No, it, it, it's fair. It, the, the return sure. from his ACL injury has been difficult to watch. Uh, I'm 
you know, not as quick to jump on the kicker. And also, I uh, want to point out, Anders Carlson is still the second most successful kicker right. in the history of Auburn football behind his brother. And I think too often we get in the state of trying to compare him to Daniel. It's okay that he's not Daniel. Uh, and it's just unfortunate, again, that he had this injury that he's dealing with. But it's frustrating, guys. It's just frustrating all over. It's not just not like I'm, I'm not beating down Anders Carlson because he's a fine young man. But but at the same time, you got a kicker over there who's who's you know got a brother in the NFL and played the Super Bowl last year. And this guy has a, can obviously was the number one high school kicker in the country. You're not giving him a chance. Is right. This, well, Carlson was in the same spot. Carlson has a brother in the NFL, and he was, was also the number, number one kicker chicken. coming out. Uh, well. Yeah, true. I mean, I can't argue with that. That's that's the bottom line. But the injury is you know. really tough to watch for Carlson, and I do think if there wasn't such a, if he wasn't, he, I mean, he's got to be one of the the leaders of this football team. He's been there, as we said, for five years now at this point, and uh, I just I don't see the look of of having of him sit down um, over over Alex McPherson there. Well, guys, but uh, his remember, time is coming. Do y'all remember Anders Carlson his freshman year? How successful he was? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, the, the Gus Malzahn, as much as I disagree with some things, you see where he, the, the Daniel Carlson comparisons came from because he had tremendous success, but something has went wrong, dramatically wrong. Yeah. I don't know what it is. But, but, but the Bears noticing, and if he's, if he's, if he's missing 40-yard field goals and being so inconsistent, then, then it doesn't hurt to give, it another, give another guy a chance, especially the number one kicker in the country. Right. But kickers do miss him, and you know we see it at the NFL. We saw his yeah, brother. Him, we like saw we like saw his golfer. brother Evan McPherson, who we're here praising. And yes, he took the Bengals to the Super Bowl, but yeah. the Bengals could have won on the first week of the season if McPherson makes a twenty-six mm-hmm. yarder against Pittsburgh, and he has one of the worst field goal attempts we've seen in the NFL this entire twenty-six yards. Terry, yeah, he missed it. Well, I, I, th- I think kicking is a lot like golf. It's very mental, and I think that's part of the problem too. He's lost his edge a little bit. Yeah, uh, I, I would I, never I want to be a kicker. I would yeah, in a t- so hard, like such a high pressure situation in a team yeah. sport when y- your only job is to do Games one on thing line. and then you <laughs> don't do that one thing. No, thank you, <laughs> man. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that at all. But just, I'm just saying mentally. From when you lose the mental edge, like in golf, like in, in kicking and golf, and there's other things too, like a three, just a guy's a three pure three point shooter in basketball. When you lose that edge, you're going to lose your skill. Yep. And I think he's clearly lost his skill. Yep. Still so. way more problems we need to get figured sure. out. As you And you, you've you been on top of it, Terry. Like Cam said a moment ago, you were on the Ashford thing uh, from day one right out of the gates. There's still a lot that needs to be done with this Auburn football team. Because, J.J., uh, Robbie Ashford has a much, much, much higher ceiling than T.J. Finley yeah. ever will. One million yeah, percent. He opens up the field entirely more sure. than T.J. does. And he's going to be one fun to see what a new coach will do with him. Big fan of Robbie Take, Ashford. He's going to keep getting better. Thanks, Terry. It's Terry from Auburn, formerly from Talladega, joining us there on the program. 334-887-3401. Uh, Ryan LaVoy leads the fan club of anti-kickers and, and just <laughs> that you can't trust them. You can't. You can't. You can't. It's really it, – because <laughs> yeah. it is such a mental thing. It is. Evan McPherson is one of the best kickers in the in the NFL right now. Sure. He missed a 26-yarder in week it. one. Straight that was just up. terrible. If your name is not Justin Tucker – I. I I'm sorry. Can we trust you all the time? And you just can't. Well, so Missouri has preseason All-American kicker that just right. lit it up against Georgia. Like, yeah, dude just couldn't miss. He missed, missed a, a chip shot. Winner. He missed a game winner against Auburn that would have yeah, would have given Missouri the Never win. Never rely on kickers. So It's tough. It, it happens. I, it, Carlson with Auburn is the absolute least 
of fans' <laughs> worries right now. Yeah, I still think he is, I, he is still a yeah. good kicker. You can tell there's something still Wrong. there. There's maybe a mechanical thing. Listen. Maybe he's just not. Comfortable on that. He knee. tore the ACL yeah, on his I mean, plant leg. Plant That's right. tough. Yeah, it's just hard. And, to and if you've ever, and if you have ever tried to kick a football, how much pressure you're putting on your knee? And if you've ever torn your ACL, you, it's not fun. I've been no. there. But Precision as much, when, as much lot. weight and as much pressure and force as you put on your knee when you're planning to kick a football like that, yeah. it, it's. I don't know if it's still. I don't know if it bothers him pain-wise. I've never, knock on wood, have never torn an ACL. So I don't know what that feels like post-surgery and recovery and things like that. Uh, so I don't know if it's something that's still maybe a little uncomfortable for him or if it's something that he's mentally uncomfortable with. I don't know. But he's the least of my worries. He can still kick field goals. He's still a very reliable kicker. Yes, he has had his struggles this year. But I'm not really worried about him. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm worried about the fact that the coaching staff can't seem to make halftime adjustments. I'm worried that... The strength and conditioning does not look all that great in the second half. I am con- Tom, how about the I, offense? I am concerned yeah. about the fact we that the offensive the line gets zero push. I'm worried about the fact that Austin Troxel just watches a guy go right around him Straight to cause of a yeah. and ends up causing a, a sack. I, those are the things that worry me, not Andrews Carlson's leg. You need the offense to get in field goal position first and foremost exactly. before Carlson right. can even do anything. Exactly. And he hasn't had that many attempts this year in the first place. I love kickers. Let me make that note. I love them. It's just... JJ's a kicker lover. I can't do it. I can't do it. Again, a team sport. You got one job. You don't do that job well, and everybody hates you. That's not a fun spot to be in. No. Not a fun spot to be in for anybody. Wow. What a fun and lively, energetic hour. Here to open up today's edition of Sports Call. We've got a break. We'll get to the top of the hour, and we're back with two more hours left to go. Auburn football. They get set... For the game on Saturday against Georgia, the Deep South's oldest rivalry has another installment coming up on Saturday. Alongside Tom Peavy and Cam Berry, my name is JJ Jackson. One hour in the books, and we're rolling. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starts right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Tom Peavy and Cam Berry, set to be joined by Brooks Childress. 
here in just a little bit at 4.30. Our buddy Jason Caldwell from inside the Auburn Tigers will be on the show, and we continue to take your phone calls. 334-887-3401 as we go to our Auburn Bank phone line for the first time this hour. And joining us, Keith from Auburn. Keith has been patiently waiting. Hello, Keith. Hope that you had a great weekend. Thanks for the call today. Yes, sir, I did, and thank you for taking my call. What you got on your mind? Oh, uh, hey, a quick question. I mean, uh, really, truly, I mean, this is a great question. What do you think the powers of Auburn to be are waiting on? Uh, a bye week. <laughs> That's about all I can think of. But the thing is, with all these other coaches uh, getting fired around the country, if Auburn's going to make a decision on that, they're getting their hand kind of forced a little bit around the country with some of these other coaches going. So uh, all I can think of is they're going to ride this out past this Georgia game and then uh, potentially see what happens in the bye week. Yeah. Well, if they do, that will be the fourth straight week that a Power 5 coach has been let go. Yeah. So – that's why I said that there's some other schools there that are kind of forcing Auburn's hands to where they can't sit around and wait too long. Yeah, uh, but you if, know, if they if they've decided they're going to make that they make that move, there there's there's nothing saying that they have decided they're going to make any sort of a move right now. Yeah, but that, but that it's getting it's getting forced by teams making these decisions. Uh, maybe that's forcing them not to make the move, because um, that move is evident. That, I mean, it, it's going to happen. Whether it's next weekend or into the you know into the season or whatever. Well, well you say you say yeah. it's, you say it's going to happen, but I mean, there. I mean, if if Auburn somehow upsets Georgia, which I mean, that would just be a, okay. a massive on, upset. It, I know, I'm just I'm just saying though. I know, I, but I I'm, see him play. I I know, but just I'm just saying, if they beat Georgia, then then you can't fire him. I mean, if somehow Auburn just figures things out and goes on a crazy run, then you you can't get rid of Brian Harson. So, but I mean, the chances of that happening obviously are are slim and none. But well, it's I mean, more than none, slim. Yeah. I mean, guys, you, you but they still haven't played the games yet, so so there's still there's uh, still yeah. the chance there. That is true. I'm not going to argue that fact. Uh, you know, just watching that ball game Saturday and, and watching Harson's demeanor on the sideline, that's the guy that's quit. You know, he can rub his head and shake his head and turn around and say whatever he says. If you can read lips, um, it's over. And I will say this. If, if Georgia doesn't hang 50-plus on Auburn Saturday, I'll be shocked. And I will say the reason I say that is they're coming off a 26-22 yeah. win against Missouri, and they're going home. Sure. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't care who Kirby coaches for or or, or, or who he coached under. Uh, you know, when there's blood, it's like a shark in water. When there's blood, it's going to happen. Yeah. And, and- – I, I think that's one thing that should worry uh, Auburn fans is that Georgia did play that tough game and that for a team that talented, that may have been that wake-up call that they can't take anybody too lightly. And like you mentioned, they're going to be in their home stadium. Uh, it's going to be a raucous crowd. And, uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes teams need a wake-up call like that. Really good teams 
championship caliber teams sometimes need a little bit of a scare, a little bit of a wake up call, and then they come out and look, you know, like the world beaters you expected. And, well, and so think, it's kind of teed up for Georgia to do that now. Yeah, and I tell you what, I, you know, I, I'm sitting there, and I, I don't know if Auburn had just played or who. We flipped over to the Georgia-Missouri game, and when they picked up that first down with two minutes to go in the game, I, I told my wife, I said, okay, we're going to see what kind of class Kirby has right here. Right. If he's going to go ahead and try to punch it in and, and, and get another score, or if he's just going to nail you know, he and he did. He went to the victory formation and ran the clock out. So, yep. um, you know, so, it, guys, I, I, <clears throat> the only time I can go back and remember this at Auburn is when Gene Chesick was there in his final season. Sure. And uh, it's probably worse right now than it was when Chesick was there. Uh, they, I, I think talent-wise, they, they had a little more talent than they got now. They, they did. They're, they're, there was a little bit more of a foundation set there with Chiswick. Now, uh, things kind of went off the rails with Chiswick after that 2010 season because they lost so many players off of that team. I mean, obviously you yeah. lose Cam and you lose Nick Fairley, but you, you lost the vast majority of everybody else on that team. And the recruiting had just not been there to a standard that could keep uh, kind of keep that going. And you've seen the same thing with LSU. They've they've fallen off since their national title yeah. because they lost pretty much that entire team, and uh, that that was the thing that hurt Chizik. However, there were still some players there because you saw exactly what happened when Gus Malzahn came in and took over. You had enough talent to get to a national title game, so I mean, there's at least a foundation there to do something. Right. This it, this team it, doesn't feel like there's much of a foundation. That's why whoever the next coach is going to be is going to have to hit that transfer portal. First and foremost, going to have to hit that transfer portal and then start boosting the recruiting because that, neither of them are doing Auburn any favors at the moment. Right. Let me ask you this, Tom. Sure. Now, I, 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 let's be real, okay? You know I'm always what's real. The, <laughs> what's the only coach out there that if you hired could go in and work the transfer portal? Deion Sanders. And make Auburn a contender. Deion Sanders. No. Yep. Not a chance. Yep. One hundred percent. I don't buy that. You 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 you're putting all your eggs in a basket on somebody that was a great oh. athlete that played baseball and football. He, he's and he's done a heck Jackson of a job at State. Jackson State so far. Jackson State ain't in the SEC. Yeah. Well, so Keith, so here's here's my thing, and and this is why I have been hey, I have been on the I've been on the Deion Sanders bandwagon for well over a year now. When nobody was talking about that, and I brought it up. The thing with Deion Sanders that I like is if you hire him, there's a couple of things. First of all, the you get an immediate boost of excitement in the program, which there is none right now. Immediate boost of excitement from your fans, from your alumni, from everybody else. Instant boost of excitement. Instant boost of good publicity throughout the press because Auburn will be front page of every national publication and ESPN and everybody. So then you get good publication. Second of all, you can't tell me that Deion Sanders could not walk into the house of any recruit that he wanted to and sit down and try to convince them to come to Auburn. I think he, I think they would welcome him in with open arms. And so, and then you look at the transfer portal. How many guys out there would just claw at the chance to just hang around Deion Sanders, much less get coached by him? So I, I think that Deion Sanders checks off these immediate impact boxes that Auburn has to have to, 
you can't just get a guy in here that, yeah, you know, give him some time and get things built up. It's like you've already fallen so far behind. You have to have immediate impact, like from the moment that dude is announced as head, as head coach. Now, do I think Hugh Freeze can be that guy? No. I, I think Hugh Freeze is a rehash of Gus Malzahn. I'm not on that. Now, if you think you can get Lane Kiffin from away from Ole Miss, that'd be awesome. I'd be okay with that. I've been wanting that since 2020 sure. when Malzahn was let go. But but my my two my two right now it would be Lane Kiffin or Deion Sanders, and I I think anything else is kind of okay. It seemed like Keith posed that question, wanting to bring up a name himself. We've lost the connection here with Keith. So if you want to call us back, Keith, feel free to do so. 334-887-3401. Jason Caldwell from Inside the Auburn Tigers will join us here in about 15 minutes. Let's get another phone call, though. I didn't didn't mean to make Keith hang up on us. (laughs) 334-887-3401. In Opelika, Dallas has called in. What's going on, Dallas? How are you? Hey, y'all. How's it going? Hey, Tom. Hey, what's up? It's Dallas Dorsey. What's up? Oh, hey, Dallas Dorsey. How are you, man? Long time, brother. It's been a long time, War Eagle. War Eagle. Uh, War Eagle. Hey, I, thank y'all for taking my call. And I, I don't, I'm not trying to beat a dead horse because y'all already made a really good point. Y'all, y'all backed up old Anders Carlson. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to reiterate. I think Auburn's had an over reliance on kickers for like the past four decades. Yeah. We are and kicker I mean, you. True. Right. And I mean, I, you know, you can go back to John Bond. You can go back to West Byram. I would, and I, I was really calling to ask the question. Uh, it seems to me like Auburn has consistently struggled in the red zone to score touchdowns. Yeah. Um, is there any kind of analytic on that? To, you know, is it because I, I mean, you know, I, I'm like everybody else. It's it's bad. It's tough to watch. Yeah. My dad, my dad brought up the point. It kind of looks like Doug Barfield days. Uh, at Auburn again, you know, it's, right. uh, but I, I just want, I, I wonder, I'm, I'm, and I, the point, I guess the point I'm trying to make is beyond Gus Malzahn, even it, it's always looked like Auburn struggled to score a touchdown. Sure. Is there something to that? Is it, we don't have the players, is it execution? It just seems like it's more, it's more of a problem than coaching to me. Yeah. I don't know. Well, Dallas, so the, the one thing that I can say to that, and, and I don't have the analytics in front of me, however, what, the one thing you have to keep in mind, under Gus Malzahn, very finesse, very open spread type offense, but when you get into confined spaces, when you get into that red zone and now you're limited with how much you can spread out, you have to try to be a little bit more power football, and Gus Malzahn's teams were not designed for that. Now, when they were running the read option stuff at a very good click and they were, and were fooling defenses, it worked great. But once that was not there, there was not that power game. And when you're trying to spread things out and open the field, well, if you're in the red zone, you don't have a whole lot of field to spread and open up to. So you're really confined in what you right. can do. And now with Brian Harson uh, and this staff, it is a little more power football, but the simple fact is you're, it's hard to run power football when you have an offensive line that just can't get any push. And so, again, you're forcing yourself to try to get a quarterback out of the pocket. You're trying to force yourself into things out onto the edge and the perimeter and some things like that. But when you're in the red zone, you don't have that much room to work with. And so you have to be able to run some sort of power football in that red zone. And they just don't have the offensive line to do that right now. Auburn football has gotten into the red zone 17 times this season. They have scored 14 times. 11 of those 14 scores 
were touchdowns. We don't have the Malzahn numbers in front of us for a percentage, but 17 red zone trips this season for Auburn. 11 of those have mm. resulted in touchdowns. Only three times this season has Auburn football got to the red zone and not scored. Wow. I, well, now, that, well that, that's, that's very surprising. That is yeah, a surprising sounds, stat for me. Yeah, it sounds uh, better than it looks, yeah. for sure. Right. Well, and I well to your point, what it so is it a recruiting then a recruiting issue where you're not able to get offensive linemen yeah. there? It has it, it has been. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah, but it started under the Gus Malzahn deal. They went what four recruiting cycles yeah. without a an offensive guard out of the high school ranks. They they've been cool. they yeah they've been trying to get. Uh, the offensive line has pretty much been all uh, transfers, uh, transfer portals, and then uh, some junior college, and then the guys that they do get from high school are very low-rated offensive linemen. Uh, there's a lot of reasons for that, um, but that started with Gus Malzahn, and they have not been able to really shore that up uh, under Brian Harson. And so now you see an offensive line who are veteran guys, but they're veteran guys that have not been very good the entire time they've been here. And right. so now you're just seeing a, a, an offensive line full of veterans that just still can't get a push, still miss assignments, still get beat on right. the edge, just things like that, things that good offensive line don't do. Right. Fair enough. Well, God help us. Anyway. Dallas, call us more frequently. Tom, we've got to get Dallas to call us more frequently then here on the show. I, I mean, goodness gracious, I, I haven't seen Dallas in forever. <laughs> It's been way too long. I know. Yeah. Hey, if y'all need some, y'all need some music for your show. I got a. We got we got songs for you. Well, you know All about Auburn. That, well, that's right. Well, you know we have we have uh, you know Matt Austin, uh, Matt from yeah. uh, Matt from Auburn. He's one of our regular callers. So now we can hopefully add Dallas to it. So there we go. We'll have Matt and well, Dallas do. on here. Have well, a nice know, little Fat call. Daddy's reunion on Sports Call. That's right. That's exactly <laughs> right. Well, you know, I, I had to. I really, I do I appreciate y'all kind of taking up for Honors Carlson there because sure. I. I think he got it. I think he got his ACL torn trying yep. to recover an onside kick. Or Correct. Something. Yeah. You Correct. know, it's. Uh, I don't know. I just. I want to. Auburn's always had really good kickers, and. Uh, but I don't know. I, I just. I want us to. I want us to score touchdowns. Yeah. One hundred percent. But I. I yeah. yeah. I think Andrews is still a very reliable kicker. He may be going through a few struggles right now, but I, I'd still trust him over the vast majority of kickers in college football right now. Dallas, right. thanks for the call, man. It's good to hear from hey, you. Thank y'all. Thank y'all for having us. Warrior. Thanks, buddy. All right. Warrior. That's uh, Dallas from Opelika joining us there on the program. 334-887-3401. Again, we got to get to a break here in just a little bit. And Jason Caldwell joins us here this hour. But uh, we've got Keith from Auburn back on hey. the line with us. Keith from Auburn. Yeah, there you go, Zeus. Hey, Keith. Hey, guys. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate Tom's comments, and I understand what he's saying. I don't have I don't have an issue with that. What I have an issue with is that you're dealing with the SEC, the SEC West, and you got to have a proven coach that can win. And for whatever prime times were, he's coaching at Jackson State. Sure. He's been there two years. He's a head football coach. But what I'm getting at, guys, is this: if you want a coach that's proven that can turn a program around and do it through the transfer portal, then Lane Kiffin's your guy. And there's smoke out there already about how Kiffin uh, is not pleased with the uh, the attendance at Ole Miss football games. Uh, we're talking about Ole Miss here, not Auburn. We're talking about Ole Miss. Sure. So, you know, in my opinion, Deion Sanders isn't the answer. Because here's the deal. 
when it's all said and done, and when Harson's given his walking papers, whenever that might be, from the powers from beyond or above or, yeah, you know, in Abbeville or wherever they come from, I, I don't know. you got to have a coach that can win in the SEC. And, and, and Deion Sanders hasn't proven that yet. Yeah, he could probably recruit. But really, how good a coach is he? You, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, you send me to Grambling State and, and put – three or four D1 prospects on the field, I'd probably be successful too. But the guy that's been successful in and out, he's been in the pros, he's been in college, he's been at major programs, that's Lane Kiffin. And that's the guy that can come in and quickly turn the program around. I've wanted him since Malzahn left. Yeah, I I mean, I've said that from day one. He's a thorn in Saban's side. If you want to ruffle some feathers, hire Lane Kiffin. Oh. Because so, Saban oh, knows what kind of coach he is. And, and so now, I, the only thing that I'll say, now you can take this with a grain of salt, but this is Paul Feinbaum saying this. He's Paul Feinbaum's exact words were, Nick Saban would not really care about Lane Kiffin at Auburn, but Nick Saban would lose sleep over Deion Sanders being here. Uh, but again, that's Paul Feinbaum's opinion. Uh, even if Deion, San- Deion Sanders is Auburn, he's not going to recruit, out recruit Alabama uh, for for five star athletes. I, I don't care. You, you got to be proven, and he's not. Now, well, with that being said, can he be proven? He can, given the, the, the you know the right situation. But Auburn's not the right situation, guys. I'm telling you right now, it ain't the right situation. Well, because here's here's the last thing I want to, I want to make on this comment. Whoever Auburn hires this time, it better be right. Or you're looking at ten be. more years oh, yeah. of mediocrity. I agree and, and struggling. Yeah. So you better go out and get a proven coach. Yeah. For don't sure. don't throw your eggs in a basket and think prime time is going to come in here and just everything's going to be perfect because it, yeah. it ain't going to happen. Yeah. He's I, not proven. I agree with that. That this next this next coaching hire, whoever it may be, however we the program ends up uh, moving forward, it has to be the right. It has to be a home run, or else it's it's going to be bad for Auburn for that's, a very long time. That's why myself and others were so hesitant to pull the trigger on removing Gus Malzahn from that responsibility. You do not want to be the Tennessee Volunteers post Philip Fulmer. Seems like Heupel's doing great things there now finally, but goodness gracious, it took him so many coaches to get there. Keith, we got to get right. to our next caller. You're getting folks excited here today, man. Okay, bud. Y'all have a good one. All right. Thanks for call. That's our buddy yes, sir, Keith from Auburn joining us there on the program. He's lighting the phone lines up, and I do want to get one more in here before we got to get to Jason Caldwell. One quick point, Tom. The only thing I was going to say is, yeah, now a guy like Kirby Smart, he had been proven as a defensive coordinator, but Kirby Smart was not a proven head coach before no. he went to Georgia and turned That's him around. Fair. Here we go, 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 9 Really good point uh, that you just made there. Tony from Tuskegee. Tony has called into the program. What's up, Tony? Hey, how y'all doing? Well, good, how about good. you? All right. Well, you look at Alabama and you look at Nick Saban. Nick Saban is really, he's a head coach just according to who you put around you. Yep. And, uh, yeah, but if you get Dion. I'm not saying he's proven or unproven, but I guarantee you he would word if you know what out of SEC would recruit yeah. top athlete. I think so if, as well. If uh, he's got if he's gotten the last two top athletes at 
Jackson State down now. Imagine what he could do at a school like Auburn and SEC. I'm not gonna put it out there. You know, I'm, I'm gonna just put be straight with. It. I guarantee we get most of the top black players in the country. Yep. He's already he's already proven himself as an athlete, and a lot of people would want to go in that same direction. Yep. Well, and the other thing that Deion Sanders has shown at, at Jackson State is that he does surround himself with talented coaches because if you go through and you look at his staff, it's a lot of former guys. It's guys with NFL experience that he has around him. So it may not be a whole lot of Deion Sanders coaching. It may be he gets the players in and surrounds yeah, and, himself with a staff. And he's going to develop you. And, you, yeah. you, you and develop at, you into as a man, yes. too, because that's one of the big things you, he yeah, preaches. You look at saving. Alabama outfits didn't change until Lane Kiffin came. Yeah. You know, and uh, when then they was talking about a few years ago, they was talking about saving in the defensive back. He wasn't really doing a good job with them. Everybody they played, they was beating those defense back. I don't know whether he got somebody else to uh, coach him, but he take claim for. It. But I don't think I don't think he's just number the head coach with good people around him. But you know, well, yeah, and that and that's the thing. The the coach, whoever your head coach is, has to be able to. They're not the only coach on the field. They have to surround themselves with good staff. Now, here, now here's the other thing, and th- this is also critical. If Auburn does make this decision with Brian Harson, this is going to be so, so critical. Whoever these powers that be, whoever these people are, they have to let the coach have control. They have to let the coach make his hires and get his guys who he wants in here and stop trying to pull strings to get such and such in and get such and such in. They got to give full control to whatever coach it is because – no coach worth their salt is going to want to come here if they're having to be a puppet and get their strings pulled. So that's going to be the crucial thing is that powers that be are going to have to keep their hands off the program and let the head coach run it. Tony, thank you for the call today. we yeah, got to get well, to an interview one here. Thing, one, one last thing. thing. That, that guy, that, the game this weekend, I don't fault that on the uh, – not the head coach. Somebody else, those guys just ran out of gas. I don't, I don't fault it on the head coach. And they just made some mistakes. Auburn should have won. No doubt about that. Auburn should have won that football game. Thanks for the call today, Tony. All right, that's Tony from Tuskegee joining us on the program. A lot of phone calls here to get this hour off and rolling, and uh, we want more of them. But we've got to take a pause in that action. After this commercial break, Jason Caldwell from Inside the Auburn Tigers 24-7 Sports and Auburn Undercover joins the show next here. WTGZ Tiger 95.9 FM. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Tom, Cam, and Brooks. 
The Sports Call Podcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk. Coca-Cola, taste the feeling. As we go now to our phone lines, and joining us here is one of our good pals, Jason Caldwell from inside the Auburn Tigers. He's been joining us on Mondays throughout the football season and thrilled to be talking with him now. Jason, the time is greatly appreciated. Another tough loss for the Auburn Tigers team on Saturday. Following that game against LSU, what was the number one thing that you kept thinking about with this Auburn football team, Jason? Yeah, it's got to be second half. Um, you look at the second half struggles for this team and and the lack of offensive production going back even to last season. Uh, when you start talking about, I think it's eight was eight Power Five games, including and in, in Houston is twenty one total points at eight games in the second half. Um, it's hard to win uh, when that happens. And you look at Auburn and um, you know, Auburn's now three and five in their last eight games, and none of those games have been in the state outside the state of Alabama. Um, seven home games in a Birmingham Bowl, and now you start talking about having to to try to figure it out on the road the next two weeks for the first time since South Carolina last year. And so, um, yeah, can you figure out a way to, to, to get something going offensively in the second half of games? Um, probably my biggest thing coming out of the game. And then and then really, uh, uh, Robbie Ashford, I, I thought he, he he gave them something on, on offense. And, you know, he gives you, quite honestly, gives you the, the Bo Nix opportunity to make some plays because of his legs, to make some things happen in a passing game when a play breaks down, and, and we saw that against LSU on Saturday night, and uh, it's something they, they have an opportunity to build on now. Obviously, I want to get to Robbie Ashford in just a little bit, and the second half has been a big topic of conversation over the last few games for this Auburn football team. Something we've heard frequently here, Jason, from folks calling in and trying to figure out uh, what exactly is going on in the second half. So many people want to know about strength and conditioning and what this football team looks like. I know it's Coach Harson. He brings in Jeff Pittman to run that part of his football team. Where are you on that conversation when folks do want to kind of question what's going on there in the weight room with this bunch? Yeah, you know, I, I'm kind of where I was the last few years. People put way too much stock into that. Okay. Um, that was a complaint with you know, Gus Malzahn when they did a lot more conditioning, and, and now they're doing more strength, and now it's, I, I think it comes back to two things. I think it comes back to, to depth. There's not as many good players on this team is as, as, as you know that helps that shows up down the stretch on defense and then the other thing is is that I think it's just a matter of playmakers um, the more teams see each other the more it comes down to that guy beating the other guy whether it's playmaker whether it's line of scrimmage and when the other team has as many or more you don't have as many look at what happened second half for LSU was you know they Auburn gave them a couple of things for them to score uh, they didn't do a ton Missouri didn't do a ton in the second half you look at the teams that do stuff in the second half, Alabama, Georgia, the way they do in the fourth quarter, because they got more good players than the other teams, and that shows up late in games. And so um, I think it's as, as simple as that. I, I think, you know, that's when you know more about each other. There's less trickery. It's less about scheme and more about just guys making plays. And the longer a game goes on, the more those guys show up. Unfortunately, not enough plays for Auburn this past Saturday, losing to LSU 21-17. Uh, talked about the offensive line as well going into that game. A couple of changes in terms of where guys were starting. How would you assess that play? I, I thought they were better. Um, 
it's still not a group that I feel like is going to go knock a bunch of people off the ball and go run for 300. But I thought they did a better job of, of solidifying the front and, and, and dealing with some pressure. And, and Robbie Ashford helped some of that. And there's still going to be some of those situations where they get pressure because teams are still, I think, forces all the team to throw the ball down the field some. But I thought they were better with Brandon Council. I thought it was a step in the right direction there. Um, and now you look and go, um, you know, the move paid off, but but you just don't have a ton of other options. You know, you you got to stay healthy. And we've already seen one injury, you know, coming out of that game that's going to, I think, play a, a huge role for Auburn moving forward, the injury to Echo Leota. Um, you've already had one up front with Nick Brahms not playing. You lose Tate Johnson. You're on center number three. Um, you can't afford many more of those up front for this offensive line because there's just not a ton of depth. Jason, I want to touch on something you you just talked about there. Uh, you know, as announced today, it looks like Ecu Leota is going to be out for the rest of this season for the Auburn Tigers on the defensive side of the ball. What do they have to do to fill that gap he's left there? Yeah, I, 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 honestly, there's not much you can do. Um, they just don't have many options. And, you, know, you look at it, and Marcus Bragg's the guy that can give you some things there. He's not Leota, but he, he's, a, he's a good guy that can, can fill in, and, is, and he played pretty solid. But I think it, you're almost going to have to change the way you play defense a little bit um, because you're now down to, to you know, obviously, Derek Hall's there. you got Marcus Bragg. But Dylan Brooks has only played 18 or 19 snaps this year in five games. And, you know, you can't – you know, it's hard to go, okay, now go play 40 against Georgia. It, that's hard to do. My guess is you see more of a maybe a traditional 3-4 look and, and have maybe Colby Wooden at, at an end position a little bit more play a little bit more Jason Jones, a little bit more uh, Marquise Burks, and then have Derek Hall and maybe Bragg kind of mixing in a little bit together. I think you have to change a little bit of the defensive style you're playing just because of the numbers out there. And so uh, Kobe Wooden can maybe get a little bit more of a shot as, as more of a defensive end right now moving forward. And he can handle that role, but it just makes you a little bit thinner in the middle when you, when you start having to move some of those guys out and play three down linemen more. Jason, looking forward to this weekend. It wasn't really talked about a lot, uh, the you know, schematic-wise, because it is Monday with Brian Harson today, but I wanted to get your opinion. Two of the top four receivers for Georgia coming in this weekend are the tight ends that they've got, Bowers and Washington. What does Auburn have to do to kind of corral those guys? Because I know tight ends has kind of been a, a weak spot in the defense the last few years. Yeah, it, it, it's hard because Brock Bowers, he, he may be the most dangerous player in college football right now when you start talking about what he does. Um, you know, athletically, he's such a mismatch. But then Darnell Washington's massive, you know, 6'7". Um, it's hard because Auburn does not have a lot of those guys in the secondary. And, you know, Keontae Scott is a corner that plays nickel. Donovan Kaufman's a little bit bigger, but he's a guy that's probably 5'9". Uh, it's hard to match up with those guys, and that's the reason why they're used. And so, uh, I honestly, the biggest thing for Auburn is you gotta you got to make Georgia one-dimensional. And you let them run the football, that's when the tight ends become really deadly. And so for Auburn, can you stop their running game? Georgia has not run it great this year. And, and for Auburn, that's got to be job number one. you got to make sets and Bennett throw it 35 or 40 times. Uh, you, you let them run the football, and, and, and you're up against the wall for sure. I'm talking with Jason Caldwell here on Sports Call. And, uh, Jason, here's a million-dollar question now. Uh, obviously, things aren't changing this week. Brian Harson's still going to be here at Auburn through the Georgia game. What are you hearing? What are your feelings on when, if this change is going to happen? Could it be after the Georgia game with a bye week? Uh, just what are your feelings on what may happen with this? 
Yeah, obviously you look at it, and, and I think, um, you know, the way they played Saturday, uh, there were some positives, and, and the team continues to battle. And uh, I think they go out there and compete and do those things. Then, uh, you know, I don't know that you'll see anything happen, but if you see this thing, you know, we haven't seen it, but if you've seen it start to look like 2012, and I don't expect that from this group of guys, that's when you start to wonder, okay, could, could something change? Could you see a change? Obviously, we haven't seen that yet, uh, and you know, the team's three and two, um, but now two big road games and a bye week coming up. Um, yeah, we got I have to see what these these two weeks look like, and obviously, you look around the country, and you know, Wisconsin makes the move. We've already seen some. Uh, it used to be a thought when, man, I know never happened. Um, now you see it more and more as a possibility, and, and you know, nothing right now, but we'll have to see what these next two weeks hold. And so then my next question of that, I mean, all the chatter that's out there, you think that's just fan chatter and not something where there's actually wheels in motion? Yeah, yeah I don't know. I don't think there's anything going on right now. I think if you're, you know, the the the, the people that have to make this decision, President Roberts being one of them, then I think I think you look at it and um, you, you have to be prepared and understand that, you know, when you make that step, the next step is, is to start moving forward. I don't think it's happened yet, but I think it's always – you know, no matter what the situation is, other than probably, other than probably six or seven schools around the country, I think everybody's out there going, "Hey, man, if this thing goes sideways in a hurry, we better be prepared." And obviously, we saw Wisconsin the other day. Uh, something that used to be uh, used to be off limits now is becoming more and more customary. Yeah. Team that went nine and four last year. Yeah, no, it did, and you go the the change in, hey, we're pretty good. To uh oh, um, man, this thing's this thing is is not trending in the right direction. Yeah, you, you, pulling the plug becomes more and more of a priority for for people. Maybe now that it ever has, when, when as much money's involved with the competition that's involved, um, you start looking and going, man, a, a, a change and and or a couple of losses here or there, all of a sudden you're looking up at people and it makes a huge difference on the bottom line. Even spending money to buy the guy. What impressed you most from Robbie Ashford on Saturday, Jason, and, and why or where can this guy continue to get better throughout the football season? I think yeah, I think keeping his eyes down the field and not just taking off and running. He, you know, there were some plays to be made in the passing game by doing some of those things, and I thought that was impressive for a guy that hasn't played a ton of college football. So I think that's where you continue to build with him. If you're Georgia, you do not – you know, Robbie Ashford is the last guy you want to see for, you know, playing as a quarterback because that guy – is such a dangerous guy. He puts so much pressure on the defense, and you know we've seen we've seen that in the past. Uh, those guys can make a difference. I think back to you know Deshaun Watson against Alabama. And stuff. You can you can carry a team and make some plays against defenses because they don't like that. And so I think that's the thing for him. Just got to protect the football, and, and that's going to be the hardest task against this Georgia defense going on the road for the first time ever. And Robbie Astro's never taken a snap on the road as quarterback in college. Um, a lot better places to do that than Sanford Stadium. <laughs> no doubt about that. Jason, tell us about the Auburn Undercover Podcast. For us and yeah. our listeners, tell us about this show that you guys have. Yeah, absolutely. We do lots of different ones. We, we Myself and Nathan King do an immediate reaction podcast. Uh, usually late Saturday night or early Sunday morning following the games. We'll have another one usually on a Tuesday to kind of <clears throat> set up the week and then <clears throat> do a roundtable later in the week, uh, myself and and Nathan, Mark Murphy, sometimes Philip Marshall joins us as we kind of break it down and give kind of a take from three or four different voices. So lots of different ways to check us out on the podcast there, do some video stuff as well. Awesome. Thanks so much for the time, Jason. We'll talk next Monday, okay? 
Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. That's Jason Caldwell from Inside the Auburn Tigers joining us there on the program. And do make sure you check out the Auburn Undercover Podcast available wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Jason on Twitter at ITAT Jason. Our final timeout of hour number two. We're back with more Sports Call right after this. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. Now back to more Sports Call with J.J. Jackson and the guys. Welcome back into the program. It's Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app, J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Brooks Childress, Tom Peavy, and Cam Barry. Our thanks again to Jason Caldwell for joining us on the show, as he does each and every Monday. He helps us kind of process what we saw with these Auburn football games over the weekend. So grateful for him to be on the program. As we wind down our number two of the show today, haven't got to this quite yet. Let's give you our birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. All right, birthdays in sports here today, Monday, October 3rd, 2022. Happy birthday. Anquan Bolden is turning 42 years old, the former NFL wide receiver. Played three years of college football at Florida State, where he was a BCS national champion in 1999. Drafted in the second round of the 03 NFL draft by the Cardinals with the 54th overall pick. Also played with the Ravens, 49ers, Lions, and Bills. A Super Bowl champion in 2013 with the Baltimore Ravens. Three-time Pro Bowler. We're talking about Anquan Bolden. The wide receiver is 42 years old today. Mike Kosicki is turning 27 years old. Tied in for the Miami Dolphins. Played four years of college football at Penn State. Drafted in the second round of the 2018 draft by the Dolphins in uh, the 42nd overall pick. He received the franchise tag back in March of this year. Mike Kosicki is turning 27 years old today. Jonathan Isaac is turning 25. The NBA forward for the Orlando Magic played one season of college basketball at Florida State. All-ACC freshman team drafted with the sixth overall pick in the 2017 NBA draft. Courtney Lee is turning 37 years old. The former NBA shooting guard played four years of college basketball at Western Kentucky. Go Toppers! Three-time first-team All-Sun Belt, the Sun Belt Player of the Year in 2008. His number 32 jersey retired by Western Kentucky Basketball, drafted 22nd overall by the Orlando Magic in the 2008 NBA Draft, has also played in his NBA career for the Nets, Rockets, Celtics, Grizzlies, Hornets, Knicks, and Mavericks. Courtney Lee is turning 37 years old today. Fred Couples is turning 63, the former PGA Tour golfer, current PGA Tour champions golfer, 15 career PGA Tour wins, including one at the Masters and two at the Players' Championships, 13 wins so far on the PGA Tour champions, that's their senior tour, and he's the former number one ranked golfer in the world. Fred Couples is turning 63 years old today. And then finally, Zlatan Ibrahimovic is turning 41. (laughs) (laughs) 
A FIFA star, a striker for the Italian soccer team, AC Milan, still playing at 41 years old, known for his finishing ability on the field, persona off the field, and massive size on the soccer pitch as well. He's played for Barcelona, Juventus, PSG, Manchester United, and more, has scored 62 goals in 121 games, representing his home country of Sweden, has played more or has scored more than 400 goals in his professional club career. Zlatan Ibrahimovic is 41 years old. Uh, very fun, dynamic personality, and uh, has played in the MLS for the Galaxy over the years. I mean, he's played for a lot of different teams and still 41 years old today. October 3rd, 2022, we want to wish a happy birthday to Anquan Bolden, Mike Gusecki, Jonathan Isaac, Courtney Lee, Fred Couples, and Zlatan Ibrahimovic. A lot of birthdays here today. Birthdays in sports brought to you by our friends over at Max Credit Union. One location in Auburn on Gay Street, one location in Opelika on Frederick Road. Birthdays in sports here on Sports Comp. Alongside Tom Peavy, Brooks Childress, and Cam Berry, my name is JJ Jackson. We've got one hour left to go. We've got a lot to accomplish in that final hour. Your thoughts and phone calls are welcome. Two hours in the books, and we're rolling. Two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call getting started on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Tom Peavy, Brooks Childress, and Cam Berry. We hope that you're doing well on this Monday. October is here. Our first official show in October 2022. Thanks again to the guys for holding down the four on Friday, our last show of September. I was with Auburn Soccer on the play-by-play for their game against Vanderbilt. Uh, they tie 1-1 in that one, giving up a heartbreaking goal with 31 seconds left uh, to get the tie. Looked like Auburn could have picked up a victory. Uh, they move on to Kentucky a little bit later this week. On our program this week, we're going to get you prepared for Auburn and Georgia, and we've already been doing that so far today. To begin this hour, here's the recap. We've already finished the first two hours of Sports Call today. <sighs> Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? 
It's now time for the Daily Show Recap. Um, can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? Our Daily Show Recap here today on this Monday. Tom Peavy, what's happened on Sports Call today? Uh, a lot of Auburn talk. I mean, as per the usual on a Monday after a game, and especially after a loss, uh, a lot of great callers. We had Jason Caldwell uh, from inside the Auburn Tigers on with us and uh, talking Auburn. Uh, we have mentioned the Braves a little bit at the very beginning of the show with kind of our opening, I guess, monologues, if that's what you want to call <laughs> it. So we've discussed a little bit of the Braves. Uh, I haven't really discussed a whole lot of NFL, but it's been mentioned. Uh, been mentioned in NASCAR uh, a little bit with you guys being in Talladega over the weekend. So uh, a lot of stuff going on, but obviously the, the big attention has been on Auburn football and the struggles this team has had in the second half of games that continued against LSU. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of where we're at. It's yeah. a lot of Auburn talk, as, as kind of should be. As on. expected, and that, that's what people want, and we're oh. certainly going to do that. I do want to touch on Atlanta for one moment. Again, 159 games have been completed. Three games are left for the Braves. They've got a two-game lead over the Mets now, and Atlanta's magic number is one. So any combination, if the Braves win a game or if the Mets lose a game in these last three then for the fifth consecutive season, the Atlanta Braves will be National League Eastern Division champions. On Tuesdays, we tell you publicly who has won Sports Call Player of the Week. I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, Matt Olson is going to win the award. But I don't want to talk about Matt Olson right here. I want to give Dansby Swanson some love. We'll save the Olson conversation throughout the right. week because he's been stellar. I mentioned 159 games played for the Atlanta Braves. There's only one player for Atlanta that has played all 159 wow. games for the Braves. It's also the shortstop who is in a contract year and is trying to get a payday. And there wild. is a portion of Braves country that's a little nervous given how the Freddie Freeman contract negotiations went a season ago. But Dansby Swanson playing in every game this season, Tom, has proven He's worthy of a big long-term deal to continue sure. to be the shortstop for the Bravos. He, he has proven that. Uh, I think he has shown that he is deserving of that. And now he is a player earlier in the season. He's a guy that a lot of uh, – I almost said Auburn fans. He's a guy that a lot of Braves fans early in the season probably would have been okay with him going, going on elsewhere. There, there was yeah. a lot of talk about him not uh, – Braves not needing to bench him because, I mean, he went through some struggles early on. But uh, of late, I mean, he is on a tear. And uh, you, you mentioned Matt Olson's being our player of the week. Dansby Swanson was very deserving of player of the week as well. Uh, he's, he's hitting the ball. He's playing great defense. He's a veteran leader on that team. And, uh, yeah, he, he's going to get paid, whether it's by the Braves or by somebody <laughs> else. And, I mean, for the Braves' sake, I hope they keep him around. This is a guy that is – be like, wise to do that. Sure. Well, that and the Braves – it doesn't feel like the Braves are as – set at the shortstop position as maybe they are in other areas with young talent. Yeah. And so uh, – He leads the team in batting average as well. Yeah. So uh, he's one of those uh, that uh, Alex Anthopoulos is good. They're going to have to find a way to try to secure him. And you mentioned the Freddie Freeman thing. You don't want to get into that. Um, now, Dansby is not as a beloved figure in Atlanta as Freddie Freeman was, so there's sure. not quite that. However, I mean, his – I love me we, Dansby. We, We've said that we've said this a lot on the show. We're talking about Auburn football in the second half. It's about stats don't lie. Dansby Swanson, stats don't lie. I mean, 
the guy has literally not missed a game this season. He's yeah. been there. He's been there the entire season. He leads the team in batting average. He's on an absolute tear right now. As you start looking towards the postseason, uh, yeah, he's a guy that you're going to have to lock up. He's been an all-star in the sport. He has not been a league MVP. He has not right. been a multi-time all-star in the sport like Freddie Freeman. Sure. But nonetheless, he is now one of those figures within this franchise moving forward long-term. Number one overall pick out of Vanderbilt. Go Commodores. Has a lot of fanfare. <laughs> Uh, around him Sorry, I in had his game. Brooks, Brooks loves it. anytime we say school names, typically in birthdays yeah, is it's when that comes birthdays. up. Because, um, yeah, we're not doing an Auburn and LSU breakdown of the Brooks says go Tigers, you know. But um, anyway, go, that's go a Tigers. side track. Nope. Um, yeah, Dansby's been awesome. Brooks, Cam, you guys want to add anything? I mean, yeah, he's just been balling, just been consistent. Like I said, he leads the team in batting average. He also leads the team in hits at 175, 277 batting average. So, yeah, you kind of want to. Want to keep that going, and and I I think he's proven that he I mean first of all he's he's from Georgia, so I would assume that he wants to stay. Obviously, everybody wants to go get that payday, but you know to get that payday with your hometown team and and being from Kennesaw and and you know being able to play for the team that you've cheered on for your entire life. I mean I I think that's big time, and you know that's a dream that I feel like every kid has. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think he just wants to keep it going, and, and he's just he's a monster, man, and he's, he's clutch as well. That's something I really want to uh, emphasize with Dansby is that he's been clutch. When you need a hit, he'll get you a hit, and, and uh, that's something that, that is invaluable. Yeah, he homered, as did Matt Olson this weekend, off of Jacob deGrom, Max Scherzer, and Chris Bassett, the three remarkable starting pitchers for the New York Mets. We mentioned our frequent conversations with Kevin McAlpin, of the Braves Radio Network. I appreciated something he tweeted out last night. Swanson homered in all three games of the series. Yep. As did Matt Olson. And, you know, McAlpin had this tweet that was like, Matt Olson becomes the first player <laughs> to this. homer in three straight games against the New York Mets since 40, Dansby Swanson 46 minutes, 46 minutes ago. Minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> Hadn't been done before. And then in the same weekend, oh. the Braves have someone. And, like, that's crazy. Chipper Jones terrorized the Mets his entire career. And it wasn't a name that you were hearing about homering in every single game of a series, right? Chipper names one of his kids Shea after his years at Shea Stadium dominating that team. So, uh, yeah, pretty awesome stuff there from the Braves shortstop. Is he your favorite player on the Braves, Brooks? My favorite player? Oh, man, I don't know. Um, Not mine. Not mine. Is it Acuna? Ozzy. Ozzy, okay. I, okay so I'll say this. I, Acuna, I'm an Acuna guy. Acuna has always been my guy. I'm, I'm really liking me some Michael Harris Jr. right now. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty it's dope, too. It's hard not to be a fan of him, too. Man, what a baller. It's hard not to like a whole lot of dudes on that team. Yeah. I like yeah, Austin Riley. Austin Riley is amazing. I, Austin Riley is awesome. Acuna is awesome. Albies is awesome. Uh, Harris, I mean, probably going to win. The pitchers have been great. Year. Oh man, you gotta like some Strider I mean, with the Max the Freed was huge in the Max World Freed, Series yep. last year and Strider, this year. Strider with the mustache. Yep. We're shaping up to make a, another really, really strong run. Yeah, and, and I, I, I'm liking what I'm seeing. The team's hitting on all cylinders at the right time. Sure. And and that's the other thing about trying to go ahead and shore up somebody like Dansby Swanson is if you want to keep this thing going in a consistent way, in a dynasty type way, then you've got to 
shore up guys like that yeah. because I mean he's part of that just that core group that Everybody, you, yeah. that you really need. I mean, there's some pieces in there that you could probably live without and replace. I don't know that you can replace Dansby Swanson. I mean, just yeah, the, shortstop's a very it, very it, tough it, position. Sure, um, and he's been good at it. Absolutely, he's he's great defensively, and he's he's been doing great offensively here uh, of late. You'd like to see that a you know full season of consistency out of him, which is I think that's why he is he's missed out on so many um, opportunities for All Star and uh, for uh, uh, Player of the Year, just because he he does lack consistency. I guess I mean he goes right. on these hot streaks, and right now he's on a hot streak, and you hope that carries over as we get into October. Um, but you know you just want to see the full season of consistency out of him, and and not these really cold spells where the fans are ready to ship him off somewhere and now he gets so hot that you're like uh you gotta keep him second time out we'll have more of your thoughts and phone calls with us here on sports call right after this wtgz tiger 95.9 fm Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Back on the program, it's Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM. Still to come, best and worst of the weekend in the nightly TV guide brought to you by our friends over at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Your phone calls are welcome. 334-887-3401. Want to let you know, a week from today, Monday, October 10th, 2022, we've got the Spooktacular Blood Drive in Tigertown. That's in Opelika. Find the Blood Mobile near McDonald's. Blood donors will get a Spooktacular t-shirt and a $20 e-gift card. Food and fun for all donors. We'll be out there along with our sister station, Kate. 99.9 99.9 FM. Tigertown, the spooktacular blood drive next Monday from noon until 6 p.m. Central Time. JJ on the show today with Cam, Brooks, and Tom. And Auburn and LSU did not go the way we wanted it to. We wanted to have a victory for the Auburn Tigers that we're talking about, but unfortunately it was a lack of second-half offense. And again, again <laughs> uh, Auburn yeah. giving up touchdowns. They've given up a touchdown in the final two minutes of every single game this season. Four of the five games this year, Auburn has given up a touchdown in the final 60 seconds of the first half. So... That's already a yucky, sour taste in your mouth going into the locker room. And then add on top of that, you come out of the locker room and this team hasn't been able to play their best football. Yeah, and I'm one of those that had talked about strength and conditioning. Jason Caldwell kind of shot that down in in his opinion. That's kind of uh, an overstatement of things. that He doesn't think that that's the case, but I have to look at the whole combination of things and you have to wonder. He was fair to point out. You know, the Malzahn conditioning, conditioning, conditioning. And we got phone call after phone call after phone call about this team being pushed around, pushed around, pushed around. Right. Then Harson is strength, 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 strength. 
and you're complaining about. Can I mean, and, it's just and you can't ever get, make everybody happy. And you're still getting pushed around. Now, the other thing is we've talked about the offensive woes. Of course, that's going to wear on your defense. If your defense is constantly on the field, then they're eventually going to wear down. I mean, even the most uh, uh, the most conditioned and strength teams out there are going to eventually wear down if they're just constantly on the field. So that has a lot to do with it. Um, yeah, I don't know what the full problem is with Auburn in the second half. I, I, I don't know what that is, but it's something that's got to get fixed because it's bad. I, I'm trying to pull up – I'm trying to find that full stat line uh, on Auburn in second halves since last year against Power 5 teams. But, it, I mean, it's just – it's bad. It's, it's really, really bad. And and you just you got to find ways to score in the second half. It's just as simple as that. Better quarterback play from Auburn this past week from Robbie Ashford, but uh, not a lot of action for Tank Bigsby in that second half. As uh, when you're throwing the ball well, you're not going to run the ball, yeah. and uh, you wonder if Auburn should have been trying to run the ball a little bit more with Bigsby. It's difficult when well, you're losing. You got to ask all these questions. Well, also, you know, I I don't know what the you know someone else would could tell me the official stat but, but I look you know you look up at halftime with Tank Bigsby uh and you know he ran it uh fairly you know you, you thought he ran it fairly well in the first half he averaged 2.9 yards per carry in that first half right and I think he ended up somewhere around there for the game and that's four, like, like four point something and four so point. if you're running the like you like you said JJ maybe you should run the ball a little bit more but when you're going up against an LSU team that's only allowing your number one running back to average four yards for the entire game it's it's you know that's kind of you have to go to the air there it's because 3. they're eight sorry that's that's even worse yeah. 3.8 yards at half he was averaging 2.9 i remember vividly looking up at the scoreboard yeah. and seeing that stat and it's just you you know you've got carries. to adjust at some point jarquez hunter had a decent day running the football but you know it it's there's if it's not one thing it's another it's the the, the team just continues to not really have a, a uh, grasp on what it wants to do on offense every single week, and it, it's a little frustrating. Yeah, it is. We got to find a way to not be frustrated, Brooks. I don't like being frustrated with Auburn football. Yeah. I wanted passing touchdowns. We talked all week yeah. about how Auburn had not had receiving touchdowns from wide receivers, and they got two of them on Saturday. <laughs> one from Javaris Johnson, one from Camden Brown. And uh, still a loss for this Tigers football team. Still no offense in the second half. And still plenty of frustrations over and over and over again. Yeah. I, I, it's bad. I mean, that's that's all you can say. Is it's just, it's bad. It's bad football in the second half. And, and I mean, it, it scares you to death even when you get a, uh, when you get a big lead. You're still just gnawing your fingernails because you know that this team just struggles so bad in the second half of games. That you just feel like anything can happen, and uh, they got to figure it out. If they if they're going to have a chance to win any of these remaining games, they're going to have to try to figure out something in the second half. Yeah, you've got to you've got to finish drives with points. Every you know, no matter what, you got to finish drives with points. And I don't you know this this is going to I'm going to have to go down the 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 rabbit, the hole. rabbit hole of nitpicking <laughs> at this point. But at this point in the year. You, you know, Auburn's 3-2. and two. It's not looking like it's going in a good direction. You're going into Georgia. This is going to be a little nitpicking. I don't know if y'all have noticed this, but when you're looking at running the football, at least once per game, and it's it's I think it's pretty much been consistent, at least once per game, maybe a couple times, when you're running the read option with Robbie Ashford. He fumbles. 
he's one fumble, but two is going to run it, and if he pulls it, he's going to stumble in the backfield and be caught in that backfield. Right. There was one drive, I don't remember where what they had moved the ball down the field, and that one was one of the key plays that was a drive that drive killer for that drive. Is he tried to pull it? Uh, and he stumbled and was taken down for a loss of a couple yards, and it just seems like that's that's it's the small things. But if if I'm sitting here thinking about you know things that Auburn football has done daily, and that's something that pops out to me, that's not a good thing. Right. If that's something that keeps standing out, that is something that's affecting these drives. Yeah, and I I will say you were talking about finishing drives, books. I f- I felt like in this game we moved the ball relatively well. You know. Between between the thirties, the yeah. thirty you know, between the thirty yard lines, I felt like we moved the ball pretty well and then you get close to that red zone, you make a couple mistakes, boom, couple bang bang plays, couple uh, a fumble, something happens, and then that kills the drive. Uh, a penalty kills the drive, things like that, the little mistakes, you know, end up killing the drive and, and you know, this is where we come back to kind of the conversation, obviously, you know, with Anders where, you know, you, you're not you're not having as much faith in your kicker just because he's struggling. Obviously, you know there it's just he's struggling. You you can't there's no ifs ands or buts about it. And so at the end of the day, that forces you to make a decision like like the fourth and ten. You know where we have we're just kind of in no man's land at that point. Got to go for it. You know, it's just questionable decisions, things like that. Where it's just it just leaves a lot to to wonder where we can go from here. Yep. Uh, looking at Auburn's last eight second halves against Power 5 teams. I think these are some of the ones that Steve may have run off. Yeah, it, it was a Nathan King tweet. Yeah. Yeah. Three points, zero points, six points, three points, three points, six points, zero points, zero points. I mean. that That's your that's your last eight power, that's second half against your last Power, power 5 teams. That's just not going to get it done. I, I don't care what level of football you're at. The only way that that type of scoring gets it done is if you put up 55 in the first half. Right. Yeah. And then uh, our our buddy Justin uh, Hokinson here. Uh, this was uh, after the game, uh, after the LSU game in the last eight par five games plus Houston in the bowl game, second half only. Auburn's offense has 26 punts, eight turnovers, three total touchdowns. Is now 12 of 61 on third down conversions including four of 29 in the fourth quarter. Not good. <laughs> that is Not terrible. Good at at some point, you, I wonder if it gets into the players' heads that you're like coming out, you're like, oh, no, we got to play the second it, yeah. half. You know, because you, know, right. you think about it, and I'm this again, this may be going down a rabbit hole that has no warrant whatsoever. But you know, when you get you have the golf, you've got you know you get the yips and the go- and yeah, golf yeah. where it's like you just can't hit a good shot. You get in the baseball, you just can't make contact with the ball. At some point, may, it, do you think it's getting into the players' heads that oh no, it's the second half? What yeah. are we gonna do? And, and here's the other thing is I you know I read off uh, I read off these uh, Nathan King scores here. And if you think about it, you go back to those uh, out of these games that I read off. How many of those games that Auburn had a good, a, what you thought was a pretty darn good lead? La- go back to last year. Is it Mississippi State last like year? Six you up. blew a lead against Mississippi State. Blew a lead against South Carolina. Uh, you you really basically had Alabama on the ropes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, blew a lead and you lost that one. Blew a lead. Yeah. Blew a lead against Missouri. Blew a lead against uh, LSU. So. It's five, it, right there. You know, the, these are the the second halves. 
are are bad, but they're also causing you to blow leads. And so that makes it even worse. The fact that you show that you can be a competent football team in the first half and play like you saw Auburn play against LSU and get up 17 to nothing. Get up on these teams like you saw last year in the first half. But if you can't produce in the second half, then you're going to end up losing those leads. And that's exactly what's happening. Let's take our next commercial break. When we come back, best and worst of the weekend here on Sports Call. All of the biggest names in the sports world want to be on Sports Call. We are very excited to be joined by ESPN's Adam Amin. Bring on a very special guest, a good friend of the program, a former host of this very show, and the current voice of the Auburn Tigers, the one and only Andy Burcham. We get the opportunity to welcome in Mr. Phil Steele into our program. Be sure to listen to our conversations with athletes, coaches, and media personalities on the Sports Call podcast. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. All right, back on Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson, Tom Peavy, Brooks Childress, and Cam Berry inside our studios. Here on South College Street. Hope that everyone is doing well on this Monday. As we wind down our program here today, we do this each and every day. Let's set you up for our best and worst of the weekend. Now, time for the best. Woohoo! And worst. No! 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 Of the weekend. All right, best and worst of the weekend. Let's start with the worst. Let's get this one out of the way. Uh, who's got something? Who's got the worst of the weekend? Uh,. Y- so, I mean, there's quite a few worse that you can go with the Auburn game, but I, I've got to go with the uh, the trick play interception. Uh, again, I'm going to say it again. I don't mind the play call. I personally may not have done that down there in that situation. I try to punch that in. However, you're trying to get creative, do something different. So, I don't mind that. However, again, like I mentioned, Coy Moore has to know to throw the ball away throw the ball into the ground, throw the ball up into the marching band, throw the ball somewhere other than where you threw the ball when that play breaks down like that. So that's definitely worse, and that was such a critical moment uh, of that game because, I mean, it looked like Auburn might actually have something brewing. You got something brewing. You're, you're about to get snatch this momentum back yeah. and punch this thing in and get Just some points here. Just a tough play. I'd say and, worse of the weekend, too. And yeah. it's like that – I mean, there's – like I said – there were plenty of other worse plays from that game, but that one just, it just, man, that just felt like it sucked the wind right out of you because it really, like Auburn, was about to do something special. Cam, you got anything? Uh, yeah, I do, actually, for the worst of the weekend. Um, soccer match taking place in Indonesia this weekend. Um, a huge stampede happened. We've left 125 people dead, including two police Oof. officers. Yeah, really, really crazy situation. Um, really sad situation. Uh, it's called one of the, making it. It's one of the deadliest sports events in history, um, which is unfortunate. Uh, so yeah, that's that's my worst of the weekend. Yeah, hard to top that yeah. one for sure. Hundred and twenty-five. That's such a large number, and uh, in Indonesia, yeah, that took place over the weekend. Brooks, are we topping? I, can, I don't think we can. Weekend. All right, let's go. Best of the weekend, Cam. You got anything for best of the weekend? 
Oh, you already know what my best of the weekend's going to be. Falcons, baby. Okay. Oh, come on. The Braves are deserving as well. Look, the Braves are deserving, but we already knew the Braves were good. Yeah, I was going to say that. We already knew the Braves were good. The Falcons can take take any win you can get. They're surprising everybody but me because I knew that we could do this. And and I am just so happy with how everything's going. I'm I'm obviously upset about um, Cordero Patterson going on IR, but I liked what I see, what I saw from Tyler Algier and Caleb Huntley. Um, I like what I'm seeing from this offensive line. Um, the only thing that kind of has more to be desired is if Marcus Mariota can clean up the turnovers. Amen. And uh, I mean, you know, complete the, passes. Yeah. It, it's, other than that, though, I'm I'm loving what you I'm won, seeing. and that that's I'm loving what I'm seeing. Bottom line. I would be sick if I was a Browns fan. I would be sick <laughs> if I woke up as a Browns fan today. And I, we talk about Auburn. I'm sick as an Auburn fan. That Auburn lost a yeah, game right, right. where the quarterback went 10 for 26 for 85 yards total between the two quarterbacks. They beat the Browns sick. in their own game. Sick. The Falcons, if I'm a Browns fan, we lost to a quarterback who went 7 of 19. In an NFL game, <laughs> threw an interception and still won. He threw a pick and Arthur seven Smith, of nineteen. Arthur Smith called fourteen straight run plays and they worked and we scored a touchdown. We drove down the field and scored. And tough. I mean, I, I maybe love a it. game I between two bad football teams. We'll I, see. Hey, maybe we'll we see. Play Tampa big next one, week. big one coming up with Tampa. Yeah, That's that, gonna be fun. That'll be a good one. That's gonna be fun. Best of the weekend, Tom. Uh, quite a few bests, but, uh, goodness gracious, it's hard to beat the Patrick Mahomes play that he had against the <laughs> Buccaneers. That was like something straight out of a video, video game. game, literally, uh, in the second quarter, second, a goal from the two. And he dropped the, they get a rush on him all the way back to the 15. He comes around to the right the guy comes up to tackle him. He spin moves. So he hits the circle button, <laughs> spin moves, tiptoes the sideline. Uh, and then he does something weird, but he's got, like, the ball down by his hip, and he just, like, flings it. Like, yeah. you're like, wait, where did the ball just come from? Like, all you see the guy in the end zone for the Chiefs with the ball, and you're like, wait, how did he just get the ball? Like, you never even saw him throw it. It was like, it was like a daggum magic trick. Spin move, so he hits a circle button, tiptoes the sidelines, and another guy's coming up about to hit him, and from his hip, like a quick draw pistol guy in the old west, like flips the ball <laughs> into the end zone for a touchdown. We're like, oh my lord, have mercy! All right, you said it twice. How do you know which button that was? You got it right. How how did you know it was the circle button? From from playing my old school PlayStation games with the. Uh, I'm impressed, Tom. We never my, hear you tell these stories. That's what I, I was impressed. Yeah, man, my old EA Sports <laughs> yeah. back in the day. Look yeah, at you, man. Yeah, man. We gotta get you on the sticks again sometime soon, yeah. man. Jump, uh, a triangle button is jump. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Spin yes. with a circle. <laughs> had, your li- had, your, had your little top, uh, left and right toggles to jump yeah. left and right. X button was power speed. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I, I actually played some video games. Now, I'll tell you, the console that I have is like the original PlayStation. Sheesh. Or play, PlayStation That's 2, awesome. maybe something like that. That's awesome, though. Mahomes is a video game in himself. I, it, yeah. it, it, it was, but this, but this particular play was sports. Yeah. Gotta say, Mahomes, that play is not even. You couldn't even do that on a video game. Like no, that, no, that. because they, well, the pass that he made because they don't have that button on a video game. Yeah. They don't. They don't have. <laughs> they don't have old west quick draw pistol fling the football into the end zone. <laughs> that so button crazy. doesn't exist on the console. So, 
Now the spin and the jump and little whatever else he did, you could kind of maybe do something like that, but th- that play was just dumb. It was yeah. d- Patrick Mahomes has done some just absolutely ridiculous things, but he's done. That, but that play in the second quarter against the Buccaneers was just absolute silliness. Pretty good stuff. Three three four eight eight seven thirty four zero one. As we wind down our show, last phone call of the day, Anthony from Auburn. Anthony has called in. What's going on, Anthony? Man, I tell you, you know, I got a chance to sit down and watch the game the other night, and y'all look like a brand new shiny dime in the beginning, but. As time went on, I uh, started making a lot of mistakes and the mishaps with handling that football, and that thing started bouncing around like a hot potato, gingerbread man trying to catch it, and uh, everything went in a bad direction. And calling those old dumb, stupid uh, uh, trick plays, I mean, you know, just really put y'all in a, in a bad situation in, in a game that could have been won by the Auburn Tigers but uh, went the other way. Yeah, tough one. With how it started and the offense looked like it was doing some things, Ashford had his best game of the year, and – you walk away with a loss. It's not fun. We've uh, It hasn't been a fun show reflecting back on this one, Anthony. And you know, I saw those big offensive line for Auburn block some people, too, that they hadn't been doing in, uh, in some of the bigger games against the better opposition. I saw them make some good blocks. Uh, goddamn Bill Bull a time or two. Uh, I think if they continue to work on that with the offensive line coach and uh, get themselves together, perhaps uh, things can be better going on down the road, but some things uh, the coach is going to have to watch film and uh, reevaluate the team from week to week. Need to make some changes here and there. Might mess around and uh, win some games they ain't got no business winning and then have a decent season. That's all that's possible, but they're going to have to get at it. Get after it. Yeah, so offensive line, had they had some times that were good, but then they had some times where you just saw them not getting any sort of push. Yeah. And then in some really critical situations, you had some missed blocks that, that just were – Devastating towards uh, making a play. One of them, one of them ended up costing Auburn a turnover and a touchdown. But you know, Ashford did. Uh, he had a pretty good game, and you know, uh, the future is there. It's bright, but it's just going to take some work, some time, some recruiting sure. to get some players in here. Uh, figure out what kind of coaching staff may come in if they're not going to give this guy opportunity to finish up uh, the five-year deal or whatever he signed or whatnot. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he can do it if. But he's going to have the support of administration and all the big, uh, big key people that uh, that's needed and counted on for things that work. I mean, for number one, I mean, I don't know if they will actually do that or not. They don't look at it. You know, a lot of uh, media boards and different things where you read things, they want him out of here as soon as possible, this or that. Uh, I don't know, but it just looks like things can be good. But then on the other hand, uh, I don't know if they're actually going to give him the time to do that. But uh, we'll see what happens. I'm going to go ahead and get my pick in. Uh, you know, uh, I watched a little bit of that Georgia-Missouri game, too, and I was surprised that Missouri would uh, play them like that. But, you know, uh, Missouri was at home and everything. And, uh, you know, that's how the SEC is. You know, you never know what may happen from week to week. It just ain't a guarantee to beat nobody down. Anybody can possibly win. So I'm just going to tell you, I think I'll remain – I'm going to put it to you like this. I say uh, – 14-14 tied halftime, and we'll see what happens after that. All right. Good to hear from you, Anthony. We appreciate right, it. Thanks, Talk to you guys. later in the week. That's Anthony from Auburn joining us on the show. One more call left to go, 887-3401. Next up, Michael from Auburn. Michael has called into the program. Hello, friend. Hey, guys. Um, as far as the Deion Sanders talk, I mean, my only fear would be we would be renting him, uh, meaning that once FSU, he, they started building that program, I, I would say it was a little bit you know, farther along than Auburn. Uh, they kind of turned the corner and kind of come along as a late, but um, if Mama came calling, you know, I, I think he would leave us. Uh, now, 
James Franklin, I mean, he's got some proven SEC ties. Um, I'm curious about where his name falls into that. I still think both of them for, for unwritten, you know, whatever, I don't think would be hired at Auburn. Um, and so I think that leaves us with Hugh Freeze and, and, and um, Kiffin. And I, I don't know how that works and if, uh, if they would come with uh, the understanding that, you know, they'd have to have basically full – you know, access to run the program. I just don't know if that's going to happen as well as Auburn. So I don't know where that leaves us. Yeah. And, and, and you know, it, that's, and you, it's the same names you kind of hear every single time is uh, when you, you get down to it, you, you throw out some of the, you know, the, the bigger names like a Deion Sanders or, or, you know, what was it a couple years ago? You, you had the room, you know, you make, Oh, let's go get uh Lincoln Riley. Let's go get, uh, PJ Fleck and all you know the up and coming names, but it's it all, when it boils down to it, it always boils down to kind of the same names. And if maybe they can get Lane Kiffin or maybe they can get Hugh Freeze, but then it's like, do they have full control of their their staff when they get here? That's what they want. Maybe you know you hear um, I almost said Joe Paterno, uh, Bobby Petrino is who I'm thinking about. Right. Get maybe we go get Bobby Petrino again. Maybe you know, and there, there's another name that keep, seems to be popping up everywhere is Matt Campbell from Iowa State. But do you want to go down that road again? because he's, he's been successful at Iowa State, but he hasn't gotten over that hump to get to the Big 12 title out there. And so it's uh, I don't know what, what you would do then in that situation. My, and my, my only thing about the whole renting uh, a coach, it's a concern you have anytime you bring a coach in that they that they may leave for what they consider greener pastures. I'm going to say, but, who, but would that, have, who would have thought Brian Kelly would leave Notre Dame for LSU? Sure. Um, but, I mean, you bring in a guy like Bruce Pearl, and, of course, the first thoughts of Bruce Pearl were like, well, as soon as he becomes successful, he's going to leave Auburn. The first chance Kentucky or Kansas or some of those blue bloods come open, Bruce is going to leave Auburn to go there. Well, he hasn't. And so you just ha- you have to take the chance and hope. And if he leaves, then the thing is, if, if you bring him in here with the whole idea that he is going to build this roster into something that can be competitive, even if he leaves, he's leaving you with a full roster full of studs as long as they don't leave in the transfer portal. So that that's it's kind of part of that risk-reward whenever you bring a coach in. But I, but I think you can worry about any coach you bring here with them possibly leaving. You just hope that you can secure them and do well enough. And I mean, with the new facility they're building here and with the fan support, it's hard for coaches to leave. I don't care if they went to Florida State or not. Uh, just another name that I'll throw out there just because of the dumpster fire that was and all the the behind-the-scenes stuff at Penn State. But Bill O'Brien and what he was able to do when they were going through hell at Penn State, I know he's not the offensive-minded guy, but he was able to do some things at Penn State that, you know, hey, he, you know, he got them competitive at least to be able to get to the next step. So if these top guys – maybe aren't available, I mean, maybe we look at that route and see if he's willing to come take a head coaching job at Auburn uh, because it's going to take two or three years to turn us around. And, and he may be the guy that, you know, hey, you know, I want to get my, my name back out there as a head coach. He may be able to do it. I don't know. The, I would just say, I, I think that sounds like a, you know, it sounds like a decent, uh, you know, an idea because Bill O'Brien, you know, he went, he's at the uh, quote unquote uh, Nick Saban rehab school for head coaches right now. But, you, you know, you said it will take two or three years. But, you know, the recent trends in college football is you don't get two or three years. You get one, maybe two years. And if you, things look south, they're going to get fired. I mean, we brought it up earlier. Paul Christ at Wisconsin was consistently winning 11. 
10 and 11 games up there. His worst year was an 8 and 4 8 and 4 year, not counting the the COVID year 2020. He still went 4 and 3 that year. We still was above 500. And this year first sign of trouble after 200, you know, 200 and something days after he signs a five-year extension, they they pull the plug. They're like, nope, this is we, we, we don't like where it's going. Well, you liked where the program was going, you know, a couple months ago, a few months ago. Why? What what changed up there? There's so much volatility in college football coaching right now that if you're going to get a guy, it's got to be at least you've got to see some sort of progress right away, or else people are going to start going, you know, jumping on who's next. And I'll ask this question. I'll hang up and listen. But where do you think Auburn ranks of the coaching uh, of of the open hires? Is Auburn that that elite program? Are we even ahead of Wisconsin um, and and some of the other names that are out there that escape me? But right now, but those are the two biggest schools that I can think of as Wisconsin and Auburn that'll probably need head coaches at the end of the year. Uh, Good to hear from you, Michael. Thanks, yeah. man. That's our so, pal, Michael from Auburn. I'll, I'll say out of out of the coaches that have already left. If you add Brian Harson in that at some point, Auburn is absolutely 100% the better program out of all of those. Now, uh, it, it, it's the better program, but is it the better job that a coach is going to look at and say, I want that job? It, it depends. Out of the programs, yes. Uh, and, and I think it's mainly just because of uh, – now, a, a place like Nebraska is going to have the fan support, but – you're going to get that here. I don't know what the facilities are like in Nebraska, but I mean, Auburn's about to open up a brand new football only yeah, facility, state of the art facility that is supposed to be just a, an absolute cathedral and just a, a monster recruiting tool. So you got that. You've got the fact that you're in the Southeast. Yes, you are in the SEC, which is a tough conference, but you're in the Southeast, where it's football hotbed of recruiting. Uh, I think just everything goes for you being where Auburn is at right now and what they're doing as a program. Now, is it attractive in the sense that you got Nick Saban across the way and Kirby Smart on the other side of you and you've got maybe boosters pulling you one way or the other? I don't know if that goes on at the other schools, but that's that's got to be a concern. But that's as what, far as a program, Auburn's definitely got to be the best. That, that's what I wanted to ask is when you if you're an up-and-coming head coach – and you say I can go to Nebraska or Wisconsin, and the Big Ten is a, is a you know is clearly the number two conference in college football right now. They're making a strong push to try to get in that number one sure. spot. They've got some really good coaches, and they're going to have a couple more good coaches coming into the league in a few years. If you say I can go and try to you know establish myself in the Big Ten, or I can go to Auburn, and yeah, it's in the the SEC, the better conference. I'm going to have a, a lot you know better recruiting ground, but I've got to deal with maybe not having my whole staff myself. Maybe I have to deal with the boosters that are pulling the strings behind, the pulling things sure. behind the string. And with the new world of transfer portal, if I go to Nebraska or Wisconsin, maybe I'm don't, not getting the top talent of high school kids. But if I can convince the some veteran guys that are trying to transfer out, come to my school, I don't know. I really don't know right now. You used the word volatility a moment ago, which is one of your strongest words you've used on this program before, Brooks. Thank so you. you get a gold star for today. Cam and Tom, thanks for being here today, guys. Absolutely. Enjoyed it. Brooks, to good to here. see you as well. Absolutely. Our TV guide tonight brought to you by our friends at White Claw. Spectacular now, Mean Girls, Ghostbusters, and the Wolverines all on television. Monday Night Football, Rams and Niners on ESPN. For Tom Peavy, Cam Berry, and Brooks Childress, my name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.